hi guys, welcome to the Creators Podcast. My name's Richard Beatty, and today I'm going to be speaking to an old friend uh, from the tattoo industry called V Takaloo. Um, he owns Skin Kitchen in Margate, and um, fascinating guy, fascinating story. So, yeah, listen up and uh, see, listen to his journey. So, welcome to the podcast, V. Hey, mate, nice, uh, nice, nice, nice being on. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. Yeah, I've it's been... good to see you, man. Actually, yeah, it's been a while, hasn't it? We're normally, yeah, it's uh... been a while. It's been a mad time as well, isn't it? Yeah, crazy time for the tattoo industry. Um, crazy. Obviously, it's a it's a major subject that we're probably gonna gonna touch on with uh, everything going on at the minute. The uh... just make sure my phone's on silent here. Um, we're Sunday, twenty ninth of November, twenty twenty. Uh, we're about to go back to. Work after lockdown number two. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's 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 been been crazy times, and this is the reason for the the podcast really to help promote businesses out there that are you know working hard and um, people who have created something that, that that right at the minute don't don't want to lose it. You know what I mean? And um, I think that uh, the the business community needs to to get together. Well, they are getting together, aren't they, and supporting each other There's a, a lot bit more. Going on, yeah, yeah, it, which is which is nice to see. And th- this is partly to do with that. It's partly to help people who go out and create things to promote their business, but also to um, hopefully inspire other people to to do the same because. You know, from 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 these these interviews, hopefully people will rec- realise that people like me, people like you, are just normal people that yeah. step up a little bit and you know that go that little bit further to actually do what they say. And you certainly have have done what you what you said you were going to do. You've had a, had an amazing journey and you've created amazing businesses. You've you've got all sorts going on. Um, some of the some of the stuff that you've got going on is pretty pretty cutting edge as far as um you know some of your social media stuff and that that's happening but i'll let you explain all that so um yeah where where did it all begin from you for, for, for you well to be fair i mean i was born in i wasn't born in the uk i was born in i was born in iran 1981 yeah and uh i've got like five brothers and a sister and uh, during the Iranian Revolution, my family came over to this country. My dad used to be in the army. He was in the army in, the, in Iran. And uh, the revolution happened real quick. Do you know what I'm saying? It, it just happened. Like one minute there was, a, well, I mean, I was a baby, so I understand. But from the, from the research I've done and from the things my parents have told me and stuff, it just happened really fast. It went from zero to 100 real quick. You know what I mean? So a lot of my dad's family just said, look, we've got to get out. We've got to get out. Let's, let's just go somewhere where it's safe. You hear all these stories as well nowadays of asylum seekers and that. A lot of people are like, ah, oh, they're just coming over here for whatever reason because it's easier and that. But they don't know what it's like on the other side. And it's genuinely like, they're kind of, why would someone leave their country, you know what I mean, where they're home and their kids and their family and stuff, unless they have to, you know. So um, my dad was in the army and uh, his family actually all went to Australia. That was the, the place where they all went. But because he was in the army, he couldn't leave. It was like a, I think it was punishable by suit, like, life in jail and stuff like that so he had to just do it goes missing so he went on the missing list disappeared with his kids and he had to just go to the first place he could come to which was the uk and um yeah he was here uh had a few kids like had to come here with two children um my mum was pregnant she gave birth here 
And then obviously she got pregnant again, went back to Iran. And then she went back to Iran. She, I think her, her old man was ill or something like that. Yeah. And while she was there, I was born. And then it wasn't until about four years later she came back and I was like four years old. And then obviously right. continued the journey in the UK. You know what I mean? So, uh, yeah. so yeah, already, that's how that started. There was already roots here then before you came over. There was a sort of sort of a little connection. Other than my, uh, my I got an uncle called Farrokh. He's dead now. He was my, my dad's cousin. And he was living here in Kent and he was working as a doorman and that was the only connection my dad had that was the only thing he had he didn't have no one else you know like and still to this day like it's, it's we've got my five brothers my sister my mum and my dad are in the UK the rest of my family are all in Australia that's they all went there you know so I've got way more family in Oz than I've got here and the funny thing is I've never even been there you know what I mean like my nan is well, I gotta go there because my nan is dying to see me. She's really, really old, do you know what I mean? And like because I was born in Iran and her, her family had all fled, she was in Iran. I was probably the grandson there, and she I was just close to her all the time. I used to follow her around all the time. So she's I like, love me so much. She's only come down to the UK a couple of times. Once when I was like 10. Like, I'm not 39 now, you know what I mean? So it's crazy, crazy how time flies, man. Yeah. But um, yeah, like uh had the normal sort of growing up that you could imagine that you'd have on a council estate, you know what I mean? Because my dad, by the end of it, like here, my mum and dad are here, they can't, they couldn't speak no English. My dad had drug issues as well, you know, and um, so it had seven kid children, nine bed, it was nine of us in a one bedroom flat in Ramsgate. It was pretty hard times, you know what I mean? Wow. So we was going to school. It was tough because we was growing up, I was four, my other brothers were obviously quite young, so we was going to school and we was sort of like being brought into this westernised sort of society, but at home we lived really like Iranian still, do you get what I'm saying? So my mum and dad couldn't speak English, so it was like mad, it was mad times. Obviously, um, my dad had some problems with, with drugs and stuff like that, and uh, my mum was in and out of jail a few times and things like that. She was trying to I mean, like, look, if you're young, and I think she was only in her, she was, might have just be uh, like your early 20s, couldn't speak no English, loads of kids hanging off her, yeah. husband's in and out of jail, husband's on heroin, and uh, she just obviously did what she had to do to try and get by, you know what I mean? So, it was whatever. So, she had landed herself in a bit of trouble. This is going back, though, I'm talking like in the 80s, uh, early 80s and stuff, and obviously as well, being the first wave of asylum seekers to come into the country... And in them times, there wasn't none of it. This was the first wave. So a lot of people, that was when a lot of the animosity towards asylum seekers started. So naturally, if you see a family of them walking down a street, it's tension. Do you get what I'm saying? So we grew up a lot in the 80s fighting a lot. There was yeah. lots and lots and lots of fighting. Yeah, lots of fighting. And how old are you so, now? How old am I now? I'm 39 yeah. years old now. I know I don't look it. I still look quite young, <laughs> don't I? I've got the features still. I've got the features still. But I'm 39 years old now. And I think like my life is a certain way up to about the age of about 20. And that's when I started getting involved with like tattooing and started getting involved. And then the, from there, my life just completely changed completely. You know what I mean? Because so beforehand... Was, was school, like how did school go then? I mean, like coming to the country as, you know, the way you did... Yeah, was, school was, was mad. School's a mad one because obviously, like like I say, being I don't think if it would be as bad nowadays because there's so many people from so many races now, you know what I mean? But back in the eighties, we was the first wave of asylum seekers, you know, like the first, yeah. first wave. The first generation of asylum seekers. So <laughs> I don't think people had been at like in school, everyone was just English. You know what I mean? So like 
I mean, I got I got called a lot of names and stuff. But funny enough, I was quite popular at school early on in school. Obviously, if I was getting called names and stuff, I probably didn't even understand it because I was still trying to learn English. I remember when I first went to school, like June, like the infant school and stuff. I remember everyone was talking to me, and the only word I knew was hello. So I was just going hello, 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 hello. <laughs> and you think about when you meet a foreigner, that they always they say that, don't they? Like, yeah, hello, hello, yeah. Hello, hello. <laughs> so I was just on that one. Um, obviously, learned English, and I haven't got an Iranian accent, and that's I was at a y- young age and I was learning English. But school, it was fun. I liked it, you know. But high school was a bit more difficult because obviously you're around young, sort of young adults now, isn't it? And they can be ruthless. Do you get what I'm saying? It's because of the way like I was at school. Like, I don't have my, I wouldn't have my children go to high school now and it's not saying it's a bad thing I just um I don't know I feel like they're not they're exposed to a lot of stuff that probably shouldn't be you get what I'm saying like how people are and like the way other children are and, that, and that. there's bullying there's all that type of stuff and that so mm. I know my brothers my two older brothers had it really much worse one of the reasons one of my, my brothers was a successful professional boxer won WBO titles he was fought Cardiff Castle Daniel Santos he had a really good career and the only reason he did boxing is because when he was at school, he was like 14 years. He came to the country at like 13 years old. So he got chucked into high school. And he had and couldn't speak a word of English. Do you know what I mean? Right. And he was getting picked on a lot. So he was fighting a lot. Yeah. And that's when he started. He started. Yeah. And then he, he, and at the time, Rocky Balboa films was on. That was in the 80s when Rocky was a big thing. So my brother was like, I want to do boxing. And my mum obviously wanted him to be a doctor. He used to sneak out the house and go to Margate Boxing Club. And then, uh, and then, um, yeah, he got really good at boxing. He ended up becoming a professional boxer. But like, that all happened because of bullying at school. You know what I mean? So school was tough. But I was quite a popular kid at school. You know what I mean? I had a, like, obviously, I had the same amount, uh, same sort of tough times as anyone gets. But I was in the sort of like cool circle. You know what I mean? Mm. So school wasn't too bad. I didn't finish it. Yeah, it was weird. I didn't finish it. Um, I was always getting in. I was always getting letters sent home from school all the time, all the time. And I don't know. Like I think back at it now, and I think we was a different family. You know what I mean? Like all through my school life, we was brought up like Iranian. Like so, for an example, Iranians are Islamic, right? So they don't celebrate Christmas. So you got on one hand, I'm going to school. Imagine after the Christmas holidays, and then you got all like the people you're trying to fit in with saying, "Oh, what'd you get for Christmas?" And do that. And but you don't even celebrate it, you know what I mean? So on one hand, you kind of you got to start like you, you want to make friends and you don't want to be alienated. So I think like because you're different, mm. and it was the first time people have been exposed to people like, what do you mean you don't fucking do Christmas? That's weird, isn't it? You know what I mean? So like, yeah, like it was a difficult time because you're trying to trying to fit in, but at the same time, you are you know you're different. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like. You can't yeah, just like, get yeah, like, times like that. Pray five times a day and stuff, you know what I mean? And people in school didn't even like, didn't even know Jesus or anything. Like, do you know what I mean? To them, the only religious thing they had anything to do with was RE at school. And when none of them was paying attention, it's a school, you know what I mean? Yeah. But um, it, for me, it was a big deal. Do you get what I'm saying? Like, I'd get beatings at home if I wasn't like, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it was big. It was crazy times. But um, I never finished school. I ended up getting expelled before um, I could finish it. And I, I got I got allowed to do my exams because because we had so much madness in our family, like in and out. Like my, my, my dad was in and out jail. My dad was always on drugs and that. But, um, we had social workers involved because we was going in and out of foster care. I did a lot of years, a lot of my life in foster care, the younger years. I still always go back to the same house. So one of the foster, um, one of the social workers was a woman called Liz Cotton, and. Um, I, th- I think she just was like knew that we was a bunch of kids. We didn't have the best 
start in life. So she was really desperately trying to make it so that we could have some sort of help. You know what I mean? So she basically pled them, pleaded with the school to let me do my exams. And they let me go back just to sit the exams, which I did. It's probably off and off it now because since my school's been demolished and like I've been needing to try and get hold of something to prove that I was like been in the country for so long so I can get my citizenship sorted out. And I thought one of the things I could do is go to my school and be like, obviously there's records of me being in the school system, but they're like, the school's been, it's, it's, like uh, it's, an, it's just been eradicated. It's gone, demolished. They've built another one in its place. It's called the Marlowe Academy now. And I, I call them up and they're like, no, like it's like you're trying to ask Tesco to give you something back refund on something you bought in Asda. It's completely, it's a completely different school now. So, <laughs> yeah, wow. so, I got, <laughs> so yeah, but I, I did try my hardest in my exams. I was, I mean, I wasn't really too, it was different at home. Like, you know what I mean? I wasn't getting encouraged to be, like, I mean, obviously my, my parents hated it when I was fucking bad at naughty at school and stuff. And I was always getting the like, headmaster call and stuff, but I wasn't really encouraged to do well in school either. Do you get what I'm saying? Like, imagine I haven't got like parents going, yeah, do well and encouragement and stuff like that, because they was just, there was, it was, it was a mess, man. It was a mess. Do you know what yeah, I mean? So it sounds but, like, like it yeah. was chaos. Um, chaos yeah and being in the cool kids group at school sort of thing you're uh you'll have been up to no good there as well rather of course, than doing, 100% yeah. because you're trying to fit in and you like you, you know what i mean you'd end up like so you what you're one of the ones that's around the smokers corner having a fag and that and you're like i know i know for a fact i don't want to be doing this but i've kind of gone you know what i mean so yeah, yeah and, and then you discover like like weed and all that but i suppose like i say it's not till you get older that you realize i think everyone has these same journeys i mean maybe without without so much chaos but pretty much everyone everyone has the same experiences you know what i mean well well, that's that's, i mean this is what this is all partly about as well because we've all got this story and you know like it's, yeah, the, it's how you the, deal with it, isn't it? Everyone's got like the story, and and I think everyone looks at everyone else and goes, "Oh, they've either had it hard or they have it hard." But no one ever really looks at themselves and says, "Like," or they look and go, "I've had it hard," but they always let that determine how what happens after. Do you get what I'm saying? Like, I know people that have been saying the same thing for so long now, and it always goes back to how it was before and how their life was before. And I'm and I'm like, you know, what I mean, like, you do got to remember, like. Only your only your actions can help make you live in the past. You've got to kind of see beyond that sometimes. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's weird because I look at I look I look nowadays. We've got YouTube and we've got all these things, so you, we've got access to seeing so much stuff that we wouldn't have been able to see before. People just exposing their lives, didn't they? So we can see the lives of like people, our idols and stuff. And every time you look at someone, you name anyone, sports personalities or people that have made it. When you look into it, they've all had a really, really, really tough upbringing. You know what I mean? Mm. So I feel like there's two types of person. We've all had it the same, but there's two types of people. It's how some people are going to dwell on it and and feel like they can't do anything, and then there's the people that are going to be like, right, I ain't having that. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I've got to pick. I've got to get out of this, and then they go boom. And then, I so think, I think there's yeah, in- intolerance. Intolerance is really what makes people get off their ass and do something that they, they can be. And complacency is what, you know, if you're happy, if you're comfortable, if you're, nah, this, this will do, you know, people get lazy and they just don't do anything. But once you get intolerant of a situation, say this is not, 100%, yeah. uh, then you 100%. do something. So I think, I think, I think a lot of times it can be like, you can put up with so much and then I think, I think it's how you deal with it, innit? Like you can be from one side and just 
you can just deal with it, take it on it and take it on. And then when you're older in life, you can let that dictate what happens. But other people like they, they only tolerate it as much as they have to. So the minute they get a chance to do their thing, but I suppose in a way as well, you are using your past the same as the other person is using their past. And you're using it for a positive outcome and they're using it for a negative outcome. Yeah. So we're all doing the same thing. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. like, yeah, it's it either holds you back or, or pushes you forward, you know. And, 100%, um, but it's the same It's the same thing. It's our past re- um, experiences that dictate our future ones. Do you get what I'm saying? It's mad. It's, there's, there's certainly a huge chain. That, that when you look back, you can really link the, the chain of events and say this happened, that happened, and no wonder this happened sort of thing. So. Definitely, definitely. And I think that's why, like, I mean, coming from an Islamic background as well is mad because I'm not really religious at all now. Um, I feel now more like the universe is in is in control and things like that. You know what I mean? And I feel like a lot of things that you probably went through, you kind of dictate, you kind of happen because you sort of wanted them to happen, or you dictated it, or you was in that. You know, I don't know. It's like I feel like the law of attraction is way more powerful now than than religion is, and I can understand things more. Coincidences more being more of a thing that happened because they had to, or do, do you get what I'm saying? Or maybe that's just the way I look at things because. I suppose you're taking positivity out of negative situations, do you know what I mean? But it's easy to look back and go, oh, like, all these things happen. But then sometimes if you feel like some of those things happened, but that led to this and that led to this and that led to this. And then some of the, some of the worst things someone could have gone through in life could have probably ended up in resulting in some of the best stuff, achievements or best outcomes. Do you yeah, know what I mean? That's it, yeah. So every, You see every, that more often than not, didn't you? Yeah, every negative has a equal positive you just got to be looking for the positive in a negative situation it's not easy sometimes but um... i was thinking at that on the way down here and i was thinking do you know what i think that is and i think that's because as i think we're exposed to so many people now want proof on everything and i think and i think like just everything we're exposed to is we're just like a right nation of people that just dispute everything or just, do you know what I mean? Like if someone's got a watch on, it's automatically fake. If someone's got a desire to, that's been, do you know what I mean? It's like we, and I feel like it's because of what we're exposed to by the media and a lot of stuff like that, that we've become that type of, that a race of that type of people. Do you get what I'm saying? To always see yeah, the negative yeah, and it's, stuff. It's, you know it's, I mean? it's, it's a battle not being that, that person, it's, isn't it? It is. It is weird. It's weird because, like, when I was younger, if I saw a person go past in a nice car, I always was like, yeah, sick, I'm going to have that when I'm older. You know what I mean? But, like, I see so much people, like, and as well, having, having, being successful now and having success and having nice stuff, what I've noticed is so many more people, even though that they're supposed to be close to you, a lot more people will pray for your failure than your success. It's just such a horrible thing. But, I, again, I was saying, like I was saying, I was thinking that on the way down because I was wondering to myself, why is that? But I feel like it's because we've been created into a nation of people that are always want to see like proof or we want to have a dispute or want to, do you know what I mean? It's like we're always shown the opposite of everything. Mm. Do, do you get what I'm saying? So it's like it's, we, we question everything, every every little thing, you know what I'm saying? They'll show you like people landing on the moon, you'll be like, no, it didn't happen. Or it's like, it's like, but then it's been created like that, isn't it? Because that's what we're exposed to. We see something and then we'll always see the other stories behind it or the, the, the like opposite opinion so we've developed that everybody has this different life though this little bubble that nobody else can experience but them and it's a slightly different viewpoint to everything than anybody else you know it's 
Society is a, a, a fascinating subject all on its own, and the, the, the way that we're being affected and controlled at the minute, it's, uh, you know, from a psychological yeah, it's point. Mental. And... Like, I don't know, with this whole scenario at the moment, with these whole issues going around at the moment, like, I was, at first, I was just like, you know what, maybe, is it real, is it not? I was just one of them ones, you know what I mean? I, tr- I mean, I try to watch very little TV, man. I, I mean, when I watch TV, I watch things like this, little podcasts, things I can ask to watch. I don't watch the, what the TV yeah. wants me to watch. Do you know what I'm saying? So, but like, at first I didn't know. I was like, is it real? Is it not? And I was seeing all these different people and especially a bit, there's a lot of it going on in the tattoo industry with this second lockdown, isn't there? Yeah. Where people are like, this is all fake. This is all thing. And everyone's fueled by their own, like their own things, you know? And I'm like, but now I'm starting to like know people that are getting it. And, and see how bad it is. So I'm like, I don't know, man. Like, maybe it is, maybe yeah. it is like, right. maybe, you, it you, will, you, maybe it is, a, maybe it is them trying to keep us safe as opposed to them trying to control us. I don't, I don't there's really definite, know There's definitely an element of that. You know, there's something going around, but you know, you know, you were saying uh, uh, before we hit the record button that, that one of your pals has uh, got it. And like, he, he might, he might do, right? But last year, this would have been called man flu. Yeah, of course. Yeah, hundred percent. Like everybody Again, would say, is... just before we come on it, I had a friend. He actually he's a shop manager, and he texted me and he said, "Oh, one of my pals has got COVID. Check this out." And he sent me a picture of their texts, and the guy said something like, "Oh, I was I was absolutely in a mess. Check the bed out. This is after I slept in it." And he and it was a, an imprint of the shape of a man in sweat. Yeah, mm. I text back to my to the boy that works here, and I said, "Bro, that's." That's me almost every night in bed. Do you know what I mean? Like, I wake up and there's always a sort of patch like that. Like, yeah, you're right. And um, and I think about why have they, but then like, yeah, why have they, why are they up up in the ante on the way it's going? And I'm like, you know, there's always been something, isn't there? Like AIDS was a AIDS was a, was a pandemic when it started, wasn't it? And, like yeah. all of these things were like none of these measures were put in before. So that's the part I think that the control is. And it's having a mad one on our industry, isn't it? Like crazy, crazy one because like we've built what we've built we've got to where we've got to we've done all the things we've done and like you know like w- when they put these things in play a lot of us i mean i don't know how the rest of the tattooers are going but like if you are earning over a certain amount there is no help for you at all there is nothing right like they're gonna you've you got nothing so if they stop you working for that amount of time your bills still carry on all your, your your rents are like because these are other people these are other businesses and they're like we want our we want our money you know what i mean so like you can't not pay your bills you can't not so you're coming back when we come back from that last lockdown i was took me about three or four months to like catch up and get back to where we was i almost literally just before they called the lockdown number two i was i'd only just really got back on my feet from the first one yeah. you know what i mean so yeah. Difficult, difficult, and and the reason why, like I had I, I had money, I had savings, but when we come back, it looked like it was all good. Like we was in a low tier and all this sort of stuff that's going on now. It didn't look like it was, there wasn't anyone around here that was catching it, and uh, so I was I was I was convinced life had got back to normal. So I started setting up at other businesses and things like that, and then all of a sudden they done bang this one out, and then it was like really really caught me off guard at a bad time because like i've literally spent a lot of my savings on starting this new company and a lot of that you know what i mean but so going back to obviously you came yeah, we went off we went off there didn't yeah we? no but like yeah. that's all right man um it's all relevant in it so yeah cool we, we we uh you left school and didn't get on with it, but you, you, you didn't even get your exam results then. The place got knocked down. And so, so what was your first job? What was, um, 
what, what I think yeah, my first job moment. was crazy. My first job was in a chip shop. I worked in a chip shop. What happened? My brother, like my brother now is he's, he's like, over, it didn't take him a long time to be able to learn how to speak good English. You know what I'm saying? So by the time my brother was like 16, even though he was only like 13 or 12, something when he comes to the country by 16, he's got a load of friends. He can speak really good English. And he's on this journey, like people can see that he is a really, really good boxer and he's going to, so he was a really, really popular guy. And like, because of all the fighting we had to do, people was giving us respect going like this family, like they can have it. Do you know what I mean? Don't, don't mess with them. They're like, they're, they're not, they're no joke. They're serious. So we started getting a little name for ourselves, started getting a bit popular. And my brother had a mate called Peter Curtis. He was always coming around the house and I always thought he was a well cool guy and that. He had a nice car and that. And I was only like 15, so I was like, hey, what are you doing that? And then he said, uh, his old man owned like a chain of um, chip shops around here. And they have like really, really good chip shops. I think a couple of celebrities have been there and had like chips and that. So I was like, give me a job. I was only like 15. He was like, yeah, go on then. And at the time, it was like the best thing in the world, but it ended up being the really worst thing because right next door to Peter's Fish Factory was this pub. And this guy, every like lunchtime, was like, let's go and have a beer. And I was only like 15, 16, but I was, yeah, go on then. And mate, one pint would get me wrecked. Do you know what I'm saying? One pint. <laughs> So a lot of times, and then them days as well, I didn't have like, I wasn't doing nothing. So I was like, I must try and get as much work as I could. And I used to like work from the morning till the midnight, all the, every day, like pretty much double shifts. It was like, and double shift would give you like 60 quid. And it's not a lot, but at the end of the week, you'd have like 300 pounds. Being 15 or 300 pounds, you felt like loaded, mm. do you know what I mean? But again, that was, that was out of the house, like westernized society living in life. But the minute I went back in the house, it became like Iranian style and I had to hand over my money straight to my mum. And like, just like, like, there you go, mum. Like, she's like, I saved it for you. You know what I mean? But like, so I don't, I don't even know how much I ended up saving up, but I saved up a load of dough. And then my brother, who was a bit older than me, started doing his driving license and that. And uh, he, as soon as he passed his test, he needed some money for a car. And my mum just literally gave him all the money that I'd, she'd saved up for me. And I remember going fucking like a bit, I'm uh, oh, sorry, I keep swearing that. Like, I got a bit annoyed and I was like, bloody hell, like, I'd saved up all this money and you just gave it to my, Mohammed. Like, mm. do you know what I mean? It was like no rule. It was an unruly household. You just, whatever my, like, your mum and dad did, we had to go. Like, if, you, if your mum stabbed you, you'd have just been like, all right, mum stabbed me. It's fair play. It was like one of them sort of like upbringings, right? <laughs> so I remember, I remember she was, yeah, I, I, I was a little bit annoyed. So he got a car and then um, somewhere along the line, it must have just gone a little bit weird because we went from being like really, really strict Islamic family to like my mum kind of just was like, don't care now. And it, like, it weren't as bad. Yeah, I mean, I think he even might have been even like cooking sausages and giving us like pork and just like completely abandoning like all religious and things, stuff yeah. like that. So I'm like, we was going out. I was going out and staying out all night sometimes. I was only like 16 and like went out, um, going to local club only because my brother's really good pal was now a doorman. He was always standing at the dorm and uh, he was always with him. So like I had this license to kind of look cool. Even though I was only 16, all my pals were all going out like, under 18 under eight, like going out to nightclubs and they're all under 18 and that and they're all queuing up and all like oh, i hope i'll get in they've got a fake idea and that and like the the head doorman is my brother's best mate standing at the door so i'm walking up and i'm like Mario, and he's like yeah go straight in <laughs> and everyone's like what are you a little g or something what's going on how come you've got so like i started to get to know people started to like well get into the music scene love house music love garage all the friends i was hanging around with at the time 
We was all like DJing. Everyone was all, like, everyone had decks. And I fe- fell in with a crowd of people that I was just like, these are a good, good bunch of guys. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But like the ritual thing we did, we was all like 17, 18, but we'd all, we'd have decks back at one guy's house and we'd all go there. And we, this is where we like discovered like weed and hash and stuff like that. So early on, it was all that, but then now, now you've got you got me who's got this really good bunch of people that love all my powers and I'm like right popular in that club scene. And on the other side, I've got like my family who's still a little bit strict, but a little bit more like relaxed now. But then the, the difficult part of that now is I've got a professional boxer in the family and then everyone kind of kind of looks up to them. I've got another brother who's really good at football and like, like my dad wasn't really doing drugs. He was all about like gym and training. Like, so now it's like, got health health like family that's all like health conscious and sporty and that and i'm like smoking weed and going clubbing and like so what i look like the absolute rebel and it's like and i really wasn't do you know what i mean i was like most of the time well well behaved but i love this group of people and i really love this whole music scene do you get what i'm saying house music days like 95 it was amazing wasn't it yeah and it like house and garage music in them seasons like it wasn't like nowadays if you go out it's always fights and it's always like like grime music and things like that but back in them days, it was just all about love, wasn't it? It was like pure, pure love garage music. So then that was that scene, growing up with them type of people, but then as and with this group of people that I loved. But the thing was, we was now getting to like 20, and they all had jobs, but I didn't. Do you get what I'm saying? And they've all started to get money, and I didn't. And I'm like, what the hell? Like, do you know what I'm saying? So I, start, I feel like a lot of them, because we've been friends so long now, they always had me around and that, but they wasn't too like, oh, I oh, they always looked after me and that. And they're like, if yeah. they went out and we was in the private site, they'd all buy me drinks and things like that. So I, I know I got looked after a lot. And I, like a lot of the times, I, I like to think it was because I was a nice kid. But going back now, I think they all knew like, I'd had it, I'd come up shit. You know what I'm saying? So they're like, mates, in it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so then a couple of times I ended up, uh, I was working at a chip shop actually at first for a little while. And then um, what happened from there? Yeah, from the chip shop, I was about 18 now and I start, and I was seeing some chick and her dad was like a, an accountant and he knew a load of different firms that did the accounts for. And he was like, let me try and set you up with this company and they can make you like a scaffold, like a scaffolding apprenticeship. So I was like, yeah, cool. I'm down for that. If it's more money than the chip shop, sweet. So I left the chip shop, went to the scaffolding apprenticeship and I didn't realize, man, I was like 19 years old, but I was getting like 70 pound a week. And then like a lot of times I'd be in the yard just painting clips and painting like boards. And I thought, you know what? I'm not really learning nothing here. I'm just being a skivvy for like 70 pound a week. But like it was getting to these times like now, nah, if you're 20 years old, that's normally all right. Cause you've got a lot of supportive family at home. That make like, and although we had dinners and shit, don't get me wrong. We weren't like, like fighting for food or none of that sort of stuff. But like, it weren't like, um, I was I was out kind of out for myself. We weren't like we had everything. Do you know what I mean? We had to, we had we could get by. So um, yeah, so I was trying to find this new thing. So ended uh, what ended up happening was I was at the scaffold company and I was like, you know what I mean? Like it's all right. I could do an apprenticeship if I had like if I had a little bit more support and I had to, but like yeah. kind of needed money. You know what I mean? I didn't. Yeah. So I, I went. I remember going to the boss and I was like, my twentieth birthday was coming up, and I remember saying to the guy, look. If I, I kind of need money, if I'm, I can't just be doing painting clips all the time for 70 quid a week. So I need to like get put on site now and like be labor or whatever. Or I'm just gonna have to sack it off and find something else. And he was like, well, we can't do that for you. So I ended up jogging it on that day. And it was my, it was my birthday. I actually remember it was my birthday. I was 20 years old. I jogged that on. 
And I just remember being unemployed for ages, floating from this job to that job, in between, in between, here, there, everywhere. Like, it was mad, you know what I mean? I just did whatever I could get my hands on. I've done almost every job you could imagine, you know what I mean? Like, labouring for a scaffolder, labouring for, like, um, a floor laying company and stuff like that. And just, yeah, just, just whatever I did could do to get to to get a bit of money, you know what I mean? And, like, it wasn't always... I wasn't always working. Like, you know what I mean? You'd be working somewhere and a couple of weeks later, I'd be like, oh, there's no work, mate. So I ended up going down the road of like trying to sell drugs and things like that and get myself into a whole load of debt with like drug dealers and naughty people. And then it was like trying to rob Pete to give to Paul and, you know, that kind of angle. But at the minute, you're like a young kid and all of a sudden, like, like I was in a flat with a... With a, with a I, was in, I was living in a house with a friend of mine whose mum and dad obviously helped him out to get a house and that, but like, he's like wanting some rent money. And I like, I'm trying to like serve up a bit of weed, but I'm probably smoking it all. And it's just, it's just a mad one. Do you know what I mean? There's like, by this point, my mum and dad had split up. My mum, yeah, my mum was in jail for like three years or two years. I remember it was. And then she was coming to, to the release date. She come out, she come home and for a day she was there and the next day she was just gone. No one knew where she was. And it weren't three years later till we see her. She had moved. She just, I think she lost the plot a bit. Do you know what I mean? Like she, she'd come here at such a young age, couldn't speak English, had a, a husband that she was, had an arranged marriage. She was married into him at 13, never had met him before. I think she had her first kid and she was like 14 or 15. Then coming to a country, then having to support herself and seven kids because her husband's an heroin addict. I feel yeah. she just lost it. Do you know what I mean? She just went a bit mad. She never really came back after that either. You know what I mean? We ended up finding her living in London years later. And now he's got a relationship, but like, it's, it is that relationship. Do you know what I mean? Your mum lives in London. The last you remembered of her is that sort of story. Yeah. At, least but, you, at um, least you've reconnected. Yeah, though. so... so I'm saying at yeah, least yeah, you've reconnected. Like, it's weird, because like, obviously I love her. She's my mum and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Like, But it's weird. It's, it's not like... um I don't know. It's not like... um it's not, it's not like, you know what I mean? Like the relationship I'd yeah. want to have with my mum. Do you know what I'm saying? I'd yeah. love to have that. And I sometimes feel like, is it me? Like, could I do more? And of course I could do more, but the geog- it's quite a distant. I mean, it's not massive, it's an hour away. But I'll tell you what as well, sometimes I go there and I feel like we're such different people and like I'm there. Like I had to do some stuff with my immigration and uh, I needed my mum's help. And uh, one of the nights I went there and instead of coming back, my, my wife was like, just stay there for the night. I remember I stayed there for the night and I felt so like sort of disconnected at about three in the morning. I just wanted to go home. Do you know what I mean? And even though if I'd gone home at three in the morning, I would have got home at like four in the morning and I would have slept till like six and I would have had to go straight back to that same house. Do you know what I mean? Like mm. go back, do the immigration and that. And it, well, it was painful that it was really upsetting that I was thinking like that. Do you know what I mean? But I just didn't feel like I was at home. Do you get what I'm saying? Because I wasn't really, yeah. you know, home uh, is where the heart is. Home's where the heart is. is. Yeah, 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 exactly. So you know I mean? when did you discover tattooing? So this the, that was what was going to lead me on to my next thing. So I was living in a house, of, I was living in a flat, like a friend of mine, and he was like obviously wanting money off me, and I didn't really have any means of giving him any money. You know what I mean? So I was like, I was just, I was just being a bit like, I don't know, like I was trying to stay out of the way and things. Like that. I had nowhere else to go because my mum and dad had split up, but now my dad lives in the house with with his chick, and they've got kids and that, so I can't really go back to the family. I've, all my other brothers have got kids, and they look like their own houses. So I'm like, I'll just chill here with this with this guy but and rightly so i should have been putting my paying my way but i didn't really have any money i had no 
And the family name carried a lot of good with it because people were like, yeah, them, them guys are tough, don't mess with them. But at the same time, if you was an employee, you was like, stay away from the Takaloos, they're trouble, you know what I mean? Mm. So it was almost impossible for me to find work unless it was with a pal or something, you know what I mean? Mm. So me and the guy that I was living with started to come to wars and that. And there was times like we got hard arguments and then it was just loads of shit was going down. And one time it got into a little bit of a like, fracas. We had a little bit of an argument and a little tear. Feds got involved and then... um. Basically, I got arrested and I got given bail conditions not to be in that area. And I think I might have had a curfew as well. And um, I just completely buoyed off the bail conditions. I thought, who gives up? I was only a young kid. I was young, do you know what I mean? So I just went out and I was doing my thing. I was being a bit recluse. And then I was at, um, it was only an assault charge, common assault. It was minors. It was just like grit headlocking. And do you know what I mean? Like roughing someone up a little bit. We was both roughing each other up. Like, anyway, um, so I had bail conditions and I wasn't supposed to be in the area or any of that. And uh, my family obviously being quite prolific and in and out of jail and the police always being raided in the house because my dad was always selling drugs and stuff like that. They knew exactly every member of our family. So I was a bit stupid and naive to be out and walking about. And there was a thing called Folk Week around here where it's like parties on the streets and that. So I was out there, like my hair gelled, all acting cool. And I had bail conditions. I shouldn't have even been out at like seven o'clock curfew. I remember I was at the train station and the van just pulled up like that police van next to me. And I remember the policeman just looked to the side and just pointed at me and like, he's as if all shocked. He was just like pulled up. Oh, like as if it just dawned. He's that guy, that one that we like, he's been breaching his bail conditions. So I got arrested, breach of bail. And what happens if you breach a bail? You go to a remand, don't you? So I was in remand. I was on remand in jail. And I'm like, wow. And like up to this point, every single member of my family has been to jail other than my little sister and my little brother and i'm like wow this is a crazy pattern man do you know what i mean like this is a mad mad pattern and um all of, by all accounts if i had like just stayed in that system and gone through the court and everything i probably would have just got a not guilty and i'd have been all right but what happened at the time jails were all like super locked out and there was so many people in them and there was this whole thing in the jail system everyone was talking about it and it was quite a, there were a lot of politicians were trying to do stuff about it where prisons were just locked out and there were so many people they didn't know what to do with them all there's times where I'd go to court and then when come back to go to cell and jail, someone had occupied that space. So they'd go and put you in a police station for the night until they could find somewhere to go and put you. It was mad. And they had to get you like McDonald's. It was so weird because the police stations couldn't only give you them like little takeaway meals that like they give you if you've been yeah. arrested. So they couldn't, you, you know what I mean? You're not, you're not under investigation or anything. So you're, you're entitled to a proper meal. So they had to get you a proper meal. That's how bad it was. They go and get you a McDonald's you're in, a, in, a, in, a, in a police station. Anyway, um, so yeah, so so the thing. Did you get so to get a McFlurry right, as well? Did, did you yeah, ask yeah. for it? <laughs> no, I didn't get a McFlurry. I wish I had. I remember getting a Big Mac meal. I'm thinking being in the police station, Big Mac meal. But you, I've just been in jail for like three months eating them jail food. And imagine being in jail food. You've got locked out when going to court, and you've got a Big Mac. It's like result. I've done it. I've done it. Oh, no, no one's had a Big Mac for ages. You don't, don't do Big Macs in jail. Anyway, so. Now, because of the locked out situation, it's really hard to get a court date. So I'm ended up being in there longer and longer and longer. And the thing was, right, it was only a common assault charge. So I knew for a fact I could only get a maximum if I was guilty, I could maximum get was three months in jail. I knew that. But I'd been in remand for like six months waiting to get a court date because of this locked out situation. Yeah. They're backlogged with people. So they're like, you get a court date when you get a court date. That's crazy. So when I got my court date, I was downstairs and the solicitor come to see me and I said, look, I want to change my plea to guilty. He said, why? And I said, because I'm, I'm in remand. I'm on remand. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, if I change my plea to guilty, I'll get time served. 
100%. And he was like, yeah, you will, definitely. He said, because he carries a three-month sentence and you've been in there for six, like four months or however long it's been. He was like, yeah. you'll get that. He said, but as a lawyer, as a solicitor, as your defence solicitor, I'm telling you, you should never, ever own up to something you don't think you did that you're fighting because having a criminal record is not a good thing. And obviously me being 20 years old, I couldn't care less. I just thought, I'm getting out of jail. If I, if I say guilty, I'm getting out. If I say not, I've got to go back. So yeah. the science of it and the way I was brought up, mate, do you know what I mean? Like I was just thinking, home, jail. So I changed yeah, my plea to guilty. 100%. I changed my plea to guilty. So they're like, yeah, four months time, sir. See you later. Went downstairs into the cells and like an hour's gone past. And I'm like, well, what the hell? I should have been released. Eight. I'm pressing the buzzer. <laughs> Geezer comes. And I said, what's going on, mate? I've been given time served. And he said, oh, I, it probably there's a few more court cases going on. Probably once they've done the whole lot, then we're going to release the people that are getting released and keeping back the people that are not. And I'm like, okay. Another hour, another hour. And I said, no, nah, what's going on now? So I pressed the buzzer. And instead of them opening it, they just slid some envelope under the door. Big envelope, A4. And I'm like, what the hell is this? I open it. And there's some big piece of like, big fat, like, kind of like a folder of A4 sheets of paper and then ahead of it it's got something to do with this it was such a long time ago I can't remember exactly but it was about the Secretary of State seems it necessary to have you removed from the country because obviously I wasn't born in the country and like I come here when I was three I'm now 20 years old I don't feel like any different I've gone to school I've done anything I didn't I mean I didn't even know if I had status or a passport or any of that I just do you know what I mean I didn't like I was three years old yeah. So I'm like, what the hell? What the hell does this mean? So I rang a dark buzzer and I said, mate, what is this? And he said, <coughs> he said, you're being held on an immigration charge. And I said, why? And he went, because anyone that's done over six months in jail uh, in a British country and they're not an and they're a foreign national, they have to, they start immigrant uh, deportation proceedings. So this is what this is. It's a deportation notice. And I was like, what are you on about, mate? Well, I've read it since I was three years old. That's just what happens now. He's like, you've got to go back to the jail. I goes back to the jail and I end up being there in total for like 18 months because now I'm not a criminal. I'm not, I've not, I've not, I've, I'm, I'm not, I haven't, I haven't got, a, I've got a criminal record for, uh, for common assault, yeah. but I'm not on remand for anything. I'm not under investigation for anything, but I'm in a jail and I'm under the jail system and it's right getting to me. Cause I'm like, why am I here? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, why, what the hell? Like what's going on? And then there's no actual date of any court things. It's just like, so I'm appeal after appeal, trying to fight the feet. So I had got given a get a date of um, court of human rights to go and to basically try and establish whether I was getting deported or whether I was not. But the, so that was the reason why I was in jail for a long time when it was such a mediocre offense. That's harsh. That's when I was in there, it's harsh, man, but it happens. It happens. Yeah. Listen, a lot of the people that are like in jail, they've been they've been here a lot of their life. They've had the same scenario as me. When I when I say the first wave of asylum seekers in the country, that wasn't like a couple of families. That was thousands and thousands of thousands of thousands of asylum seekers from Iran, Iraq, Afghanistan, places like that. All of those people that had children, their children grew up like British people. Do you get what I'm saying? So they wouldn't have felt any different. They wouldn't have known their statuses. Now, if the parents have been good parents and gone and done all the stuff that they should have, they probably would be citizens. But not all of them would have. They, some of them would have been like my parents, where they would just fight for survival type shit. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah. So, so that there was a, so many people that was in asylum seekers in the jail that were in the same situation as me. And what they were doing with a lot of them, they just kept them in there for as long as possible. And they'd give them this form and it was like, if you sign this to say you'll go home, you'll get given three thousand pounds and and your flight and all this. So like, wow. 
on one hand, they've got no court, they've got no date of closure of anything. They don't know nothing. On the other hand, they got go back to your own country and we'll give you three thousand pounds and you can go on a flight now. Do you get what I'm saying? So so many of them end up being in jail trying to fight it for as long as possible, then end up just taking the money and going home. You know what I mean? Yeah. So but while I was in there, the first person I was banged up with, he was like, All right, mate, he was like, Do you know anything about tattoos? And I was like, I've got a few. He got that's how I was because I had a few tattoos. He was like, Oh yeah, do you like know about tattoos? Do you know how to do them and that? And I was like, What a weird conversation. I've like, just walked into a cell, like the first inmate, the first cellmate, and he's like, because I've got a few tattoos, he's like, do you know how to do tattoos? And I'm like, where's this going, bro? And he was like, I've got a tattoo machine. If you can tattoo me, you can have the tattoo machine. And I'm like, mm-hmm. let's have a look. And he pulled out some rickety old, like, matchbox box he'd made himself, glued it all together, and he opened it. And it was like a little... And I was expecting, like, a tattoo machine like the ones I'd seen for when I was getting tattoos. But it's like a motor and a toothbrush with string wrapped around it and, like, just like some contraption. And I started laughing. I was like, what the hell is that, mate? It's like, a tattoo machine. I was like, well, show me how it works. And he showed it to me working. Battery pack, wrap magazine around it. They put the wires on the end. And it was rudimentary. You can imagine a toothbrush. It's kind of been melted. Bent like that. You've got a motor <laughs> at the top. You've got a biro down. You've got a biro like that down the side of it. You've got the motor spinning. You know, you make loads of event stuff. <laughs> yeah. You can imagine it now, right? It's got um, just a paper clip coming down through the pen, mate. They shorten the pen, put the paper clip through it and sharpen up one end of it. Yeah. Sometimes they just wrap a lot of diabetics needle or whatever sharp instrument they can find onto the end onto the end of it. But when it spins, it goes up and down. It's just normal, simple science. And I'm like, wow, that's so cool. Do you know what I mean? I was like, that's wicked. And Ingen- I was like, so ingenuity in jail. Engineered it in jail, mate. Mate, yeah. in jail, they make everything. They can make anything. Crazy stuff that you'll be like... Why don't you put this this cleverness to use outside? Because if you can come in here and boil a kettle and make a toaster out of like a wire, come on. Yeah. I'm not joking to you. A wire, you know them wires that go in the back of stereo with an eight figure of eight shape? It's like, you know, in the tattoo power supply. Oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So the you power get supply. The, eight shape, the double, yeah? Yeah. If you get a razor, like a shaving razor. These are, I'm going to tell you everything that's accessible in jail. So you get a razor, a shaving razor, yeah? Break the plastic. You've got a long, thin blade. If you, if you, if you fold that blade on itself, like that, boom, you get two thin pieces. Yeah. Long, right? Stick both of them into the, into the eight shape of the wire. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then get a jug of water. Put that in the jug of water. Press it on, mate, and I swear to you, that boils that jug of water in about a minute and a half. But the only problem is if those two razors that are so thin, if they touch, it cuts the power out to the cell next door and the cell next door that side as well. So if you do that and you cut off next man's power and he's watching Coronation Street, it's over. The next day you're getting moved, you're getting you're having a fight. You know what I mean? So they can make anything. I've seen people charging, charging a mobile phone, which they shouldn't even have anyway, using like some Loads of different wires all twisted together go into the light bulb above their head, mate, <laughs> to cover off and somehow charging. They do these things. They're mental, right? So anyway, I've got this tattoo machine, and I'm like, where's the ink? And he's like, I ain't got no ink. I was like, we can't do a tattoo without ink. And then, like, so we're discussing how to get some ink. And he's like, he goes to, he tells me he goes to education. And I said, in the education, have they got, like, a printer? And he's like, yeah, and I said, well, go in the room where they got the printer, open the printer and just take the cartridge out because it's got to be black ink. I said, get the black one. Don't get the coloured one. Just get the black one, innit? Mm. I said, if you can get that, then we can probably do a tattoo on you tonight. <laughs> it's looking like, promising. Oh, 
proper thing. Listen to this. He comes back at six o'clock from at three o'clock from education. And the kid's eyes are this big. He's like, no way, but I swear to God, I've got the printer cartridge. And I'm like, no way. <laughs> I said, let me see it. And he's like, well, wait till so, wait till bang up, wait till bang up. I don't want to get clocked. So we wait till six o'clock, bang up. Door gets locked, staff go that for night. And then you've got like a night guy. He's just walking around. He's like, do you know what I mean? He's like any old guy. Yeah. He's got a set of keys on him. That's all. So anyway, he's walking around and then like, I've got the ink and it was a Hewlett Packard. I'll never forget it. Right. It was a little gray cartridge with a little black lid. And I'm like, give me that, that, not, that what was it we using? Nail clippers, you know, nail clippers. You're allowed to get nail clippers in jail, isn't it? And they know the, the, the handles, metal, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. So I'm sort of trying to give it all this and I popped it off. And inside it, there was a, a sponge and the sponge was obviously soaked in black ink. I got that. I've got an empty Lynx bottle, which was the the um, shower gel, Lynx shower yeah, gel. Yeah. We emptied it out, cleaned it all out. I put, I squeezed this sponge and black ink's just going, pouring off it. So now we got ink. So then I'm thinking, right, we need some sort of where to put the ink. And this is genius because it, it kind of, I didn't know how to set up a tattoo set, set up then, but it was exactly the same now that I know about it, right? So listen to what I did. You can get, you can go to a little room in the thing and be like, I need toothpaste. You can get like four toothpastes if you want. Okay, because this, you know what I mean? This is what the things you're allowed to have: tip, toilet roll, toothpaste, and all that. So between us, in this three man cell, we've all got a couple of toothpaste, and we all took the lids off the toothpaste. Think of a toothpaste lid. Yeah, 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 it yeah, I Turn it over, squeeze a bit of toothpaste on the table, and stuck it down. An ink cap, right? So now <laughs> I've got a line of ink caps, proper ink caps, bro, right? <laughs> And I got this bottle of Lynx body wash. So I'm like, bit of black, bit of black, bit of black, top them up with water. Because I'm just like, these ones would be lighter by natural. So I've got this machine, didn't have no gloves or nothing. And I'm like, oh, I don't know, this guy could be like a like proper junkie. You know what I mean? Didn't even know. But um, I was like, what do you want done on you? And he was like, I want my girlfriend's name on your back. And I literally got him like that. And I've got, he's holding the power back. Going, and this machine's going around. And I'm dipping it in. And I'm just writing on the guy's back, right? And it looked an absolute mess. And the next day we've gone out to the wing and like it's, uh, it's in the morning. So you've got like a half hour. Everyone's out talking to each other. And he's like showing it to people and they're coming up to me. And I thought they're going to be like, mate, that's pony. And they're coming up to me going, bro, can you do a tattoo on me? Like, And I'm like, yeah, sweet. I can do a tattoo on you. And I'm like, anyway, this next guy comes up to me and I'm in the cell and he's coming up to me. He's like, bro, you're the guy that's doing the tattoos, isn't it? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, listen, what are you charging for him? And I said, nothing. Like, just doing it. And up to this point, I didn't know that you wasn't allowed to do it. I thought you're in jail. You could do whatever the fuck you want. Like, <laughs> do whatever you want. You know what I mean? You're in jail. What, what's, what's the worst that can happen? You're in jail anyway. So I didn't know you couldn't do this stuff. So this guy's like, what are you doing? Are you charging? I'm like, no, I'm just doing it for the crack. He's like, nah, mate, definitely charge people. He said, if you, he said, jail tattoos charge money, like 20 quid for a name or whatever. And I said, yeah, but how'd you get money? Where's, where does the money come from? He said, no, you just get canteen, didn't you? You'd get food or whatever. He said, so you tell them that on their canteen sheet, your canteen sheet's how you, you order your outside stuff. A, conv a convicted person's allowed to spend £12. A non-convicted person, like someone on remands, can spend £37. So you've got a guy to come to give you the canteen sheet and you tick off 20 quid's worth of stuff. And on the Wednesday when they get their canteen, they bring you the 20 quid's worth of stuff and you tattoo them the next day. So come now a year now down the line, let's say like a year down the line now, because I still got no release date. I don't even know what's going on. But now I said, I make these machines and everything. Like I've upgraded the tattoo machine now, Rich. You're going to love this, bro. So the power pack is <laughs> when the guys put their fingers on the end, it works. But I was like, I can't rely on them to keep the power pack 
keep pressing it. So I said, I need to figure out a way of how I can change that and be in control. So I took one wire, come off the machine, and it went to a pie tray. Because you get a pie in jail, the tray at the bottom, I kept the pie tray. The other wire went to the battery pack and then off the battery pack to another pie tray. So then if I touch the two pie trays together, I've made a circuit, haven't I? (laughs) So I just put one of the pie trays on the floor and I crushed the other one over my shoe, tip of my shoe. Yeah. Now I've got a working pedal rich. I'm making all this up as I go along, right? So I, put my, I, put, I, I touch one pie tray to the other and the pedal's working. I'm like, right, this is live now. So I'm tattooing people and I'm charging them. Before you know it, mate, year down the line, I've got a shit ton of stuff in my cell. I've got like proteins and roll, tobacco and like, I'm now doing like a little sale service in there where like someone's coming up to me like, oh, mate, I ain't got no backy. Can you sort me out till until canteen and i'm like i'll give you a backy but i want two back <laughs> so now i'm like how weird is this i'm now by this time now i've gone into a one-man cell and i've got all my stuff and this some of the screws knew what i was up to because they were leaving gloves and stuff in my cells because i was doing quite good tattoos i come from like because when i was little we was quite a poor family we only had the basics so i was always trying to like we didn't have a lot of toys and stuff i was always drawing because I've had five brothers and a sister, I was always trying to draw portraits of them. So I was kind of good at drawing, like, realistic. Mm. So I was starting to get good at tattooing, and I think they knew, like, this ain't normal jail tattoos, so let's, like, help this guy. And some of the screws were, like, putting gloves in my cell and just giving me the, like, thumbs up. Anyway, I'm sitting in my cell, and I'm like, how is it that in jail I can pretty much run a successful business without getting stabbed, you know, because, like, this is jail, this ain't outside, you know what I mean? You've only got, like... You've only got to cut the power off to the guy's next door cell and you're getting these fights. You know what I mean? Mm. So I'm like, how can I run a business, become a successful guy, like a, 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 a popular person in here? I've tattooed some of the, like, the big lifers and they're like, man, he's, he's my boy and like, no one touches him. So I had like, a bit of protection. I pretty much had it cool. And I'm like, at home, I've got nowhere to live. I'm like, my mates sort of look after me with the pennies here and there looking after me and buying drinks floating about from here today i've got no job and i said but in here i'm a respected person i've got people looking out for me because i've done nice tattoos and i'm running a successful business i've got loads of stock of stuff how can i not do this outside but i can do this here where it's where it's illegal and i could potentially get stabbed if i did like a spelling mistake or something right and then it just dawned on me i was like that's why this has happened this has happened to make me realize that the only thing that you're going to get out of life is what you put into it. Do you get what I'm saying? So all this time I've been like, oh, my life's fucking shit because I never have a break. I'm always like working for this guy and the work stops. That's because you should be lucky you had that much because mm. everyone else ain't even got that mm. because you're only going to get in what you, you're only going to get out what you put in. And now I'm sitting there thinking, I've got to do this when I get out. I have got to do this because I've got to, man. I've got to, if I can make it work in here. And I just had this feeling that, I knew like I had, I'd found what I was going to be and who I was going to be because up to now I've got no identity. I'm just one of the tackaloos. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like to some people, I was a nice guy and some people like stay away from that family. But um, anyway, I'd gone to my court, my court case and my court of human rights. And listen, when I went to that court case, the judge there was like, this is stupid. Why do we waste taxpayers' money bringing people like him up for a deportation? They're like, he clearly would be in such a bad situation if we sent him to Iran. He's never been there. I told him I couldn't speak the language, which I can, but I mean, probably not good enough to be like in Iran at that age. Well, at the, the, at the end of the day, 
you don't want to go back, mate. You know what I mean? No, like, I definitely don't want to go back, man. I'd like, yeah. I've got fans. That's it. Your life was here. You, you know. And as well, all my, all the brothers underneath me, they was all born here. You know what I mean? So they've got British passports. Like, there's only like two of us that haven't. Three of us. My brother, who's a boxer, got a British passport because he's a professional boxer. So it was just me and the oldest one that didn't have it. So I'm like, and I remember the judge said to me, before I come to my decision, just tell me what you know about it. What do you know about Iran? And I was like, and then my response, I said. I know it begins with an I. That's that's about it. And I said it begins with an I. That's it. Like I don't know nothing else about Iran. That's his bottom line for me. And the guy was just like, "No, nah, this is stupid. Let's just leave him. Let him go." Now listen to this. In them sort of cases, a judge determines whether your status where you are. And then what he does is he writes something called a determination that he sends to the Home Office. When the Home Office get the determination, they know you've been given state status in the country. So you be it a six months visa or a one month visa, you're now a resident. Mm. And then you, when that determination gets written up, it gets sent to the Home Office. When that Home Office receives it, they send it to the jail, and then the jail will release you. So now I've just won my court case, human rights. I'm talking to my solicitor, like, yes, I can't wait. I'm going to go and get some Iranian food from the restaurant in London. He's like, no, no, you've got to go back to the jail. And I'm like, what? <laughs> What's going on? And he's like, you've got to get the judge's determination. Anyway, went back to the jail thinking it's going to be a five-day thing. I ended up being there another 30 days. And what had happened, the judge that saw the case thought it was such a stupid case and that he was so stupid that I was there given the fact I'd been here all my life and every behaviour I'd learned, I'd learned through the British system. I went to school here and everything. Yeah. So when he said, get him out of here, he didn't even write a determination. He didn't do none of that. He just went home. So then they had to get him, they had to apply to him to rewrite a determination. And he was like, it took ages and ended up getting released on bail. Got released on bail, but now for the first time in my life, I'm in this country and I know what my status is. I know that I've got a visa, it's a year long, and I know like if I stay out of trouble and I keep re renewing my visas, eventually I could become a British citizen or whatever. So now, but I, but the only thing on my mind now is just tattooing. That's all I want to do. That's all I want to do now. When I got home, bro, because I started, I couldn't use the same tattoo machine once in, in the jail all the time. So I had to keep making new ones. So when I got out, I've got to buy a little five-pound radio, smashed it up, turned it into a tattoo machine. And I had some of my pals. I was like, yeah, let me get a tattoo on you. So then they come around to get a tattoo, and they see this thing, and they're like, what the flipping hell is that? You're not tattooing me with that. And I was like, no, that's cool. I can make them. And then when I was tattooed one of my pals, he come and he said, bro, I don't know why you keep making these machines. He said, you know you can buy on eBay for like six pounds. You can get like 10 machines, and like all the ink and everything. And I was like, what? No way. So he said, I'll tell you what, because I didn't have an eBay account. He said, I'll do it. I'll buy the machines. When they come, you do the tattoo and you can keep the machines. I was like, yeah, sick. All right, do that. So he brought the machine around. At the time, I was just seeing some chick that was living in her house and it was a convenient place to be able to do tattoos. It's the only reason I was there, you know what I mean? <laughs> so I'm tattooing a load of people from her house. And I'm saving up. And at the same time, I've got, I'm doing some scaffolding labouring with a friend of mine called Marcus. He's a good guy. Just, just give me a job, you know what I mean? Now, it comes to the point there, he's picking me up at four in the morning because we had to go through to Essex, it's a two-hour drive in the morning. So he's picking me up in the morning and he's picking me up and I've earned like 200 quid in the night where I've been tattooing and I'm about to go to work for like 40 pounds. But still, like, I've got this thing like where I'm just like trying to get as much as I can, so I'm still doing that. And then it got to the point where I just knew I'd either, either have to just jack in the job and concentrate on this or I just carry just carry on doing it in the house and that. And I thought I wasn't in it for money. Like I wanted to do sick tattoos. I wanted to do tattoos like I saw like some of these top level guys were doing. Mm. And it was like 
I just I just wanted to be good at this thing. I just discovered it and it was just like it, it sort of became who I was and what I wanted to be about. And I just everything in the past had got like erratic, like just disappeared. Because yeah. I was just like, I just wanted to be this. I, it's literally like I found myself and I was like, I want to be this so bad. So do, was, do, do you think a lot of people in the jail are, are a bit like that? That like if they had something that would to to get the focus to for them to put their energy into to you know like you say those skills of making like like the you know the ingenuity yeah of course mate listen I was seeing I see guys in there it was a shame because there was a guy in there and I was trying to like learn I was trying to do tattooing and there was one guy that was in the cell cross. and someone said oh hey, mate you should check out his drawings he's so sick at drawing and I was quite good at drawing so I was like here we're gonna have a look. And I went in his cell, mate, and I was absolutely blown away by the level of the guy's portrait skills. And I mean, he was getting, he was drawing things in A3 and his reference was a stamp, but he was doing it so detailed. Like, I remember you had this picture of Jessica Simpson. Yeah, it was Jessica Simpson from a magazine. It was about this big. He was using it as reference, but he was drawing it in A3 and it was hyper-realism, mm. hyper-realism. It was the maddest. And I was like, why are you in jail, bro? Like, what the hell? Why are you in here? Do you know what I mean? There's so many people in there. I met some guys that could rap and they were like, mate, you're almost as good as Eminem. Why are you in jail? Do you know what I'm saying? So it's like, it goes back to what we were saying earlier when you've got that, you've got your past is how you, what you choose to do with it. Do you know what I'm saying? So I feel like, for me, it was literally like a moment where a lightning struck me and was like, bang, like tattooing. If I can do this here, I can do it there. Do you get what I'm saying? So I feel like if they had something that would that just clicked in them like that, and then they could, because everyone's got talent. Everyone's got talent at doing things. We're human beings. If there's yeah. something you can do, I know I can do it as well because I'm made of the same stuff, right? Yeah. And I've always felt like that. So I feel like if they, I feel like they're just so stuck in this whole system that it's easier to be who you are than to try and be some, try and be yeah, a different. Put, put, put yourself, yeah, yeah, totally. You know what I mean? It's so like much that. easier. So much easier. So I feel like everyone's got these talents and I, and, and like, it's like now, nowadays I do a lot of artwork and I do a lot of painting and I do a lot of like, I've got quite a good social media following. And as you know, like on Instagram, you've got those things where you can, you can say, Oh, ask me a question and the people can ask you certain questions. One of the questions I always get asked is, can you teach me how to draw? And do you know what? I answer every single one of them questions about how do you get good at art and, or teach me? I answer them all the same. And I say to someone, trust me on my life, you can already do it. Yeah. You can already do it, man. I swear to God, you can already do it because if I can do it, you can do it. You just got to really want to and you've got to tell yourself, I'm going to do this. And I, I swear, if any person put a piece of paper in front of me and said, I'm going to draw a picture of my son. And if they really wanted to, bro, and they took their time, come on, yeah. they could do it. Yeah. So I say to them, you can do it. You just can't. You just told yourself you can't. Yeah, the That's only people the that can't draw are the ones that haven't tried, really, I think. Um, yeah, that, you know, they'll maybe have a go and they go, oh, that shit, I can't draw. But they don't keep on trying to improve it to the point where they go, do you know, do you know what, what it what? is, Rich? Sorry to, sorry to stop you there, but what I was going to say, you know what it is? And I found this out through being in it. A lot of the times now when you do things and you do things well, a lot of people say, oh, you're such a lucky person or you're so lucky. And so I think a lot of people associate when someone does something good with, them not actually doing it. They've just been lucky or it's found them. Or when I say to someone, listen, there's no luck in of course, of course luck exists. People win the lottery. But when you want to do something, it's not luck. You know, you are making it happen. And that goes back to what I was saying about earlier, where now I'm not so much religious, but I'm about the universe now because I really feel like 
when you want something, if you really, really, really want it, you can have it. And it was like when they used to tell me that at school, you'd be like, no, you can't. I genuinely believe now when you really, 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 if you wanted something bad enough, man, you could have it. You know yeah, what I mean? You'd find the way. So, so I feel like a lot of the people in that system, they're only stuck in that system because they can't see a way out. Yeah. They've yeah. got the talent. They just yeah. can't see the way out. You and know you, what I mean? you've, you've found a way. So um, you're tattooing your friends. It's getting quite busy. When did you pack in your job then? It must have been a case of like, something's got to give. It was amazing. I remember I got picked up one day and I had like 300, 200 quid on me. And, I'm, and then the, I was said to, I turned around, I said, Marcus, you know what, bro? I said, I'm earning like so much money in the evening doing tattoos. And I, I've grown to love this guy. He's helped me out in the time where I needed him. And I was like, I don't want to, I don't want to quit, but I feel like I've got to, bro. Do you know what I mean? Like I want to pursue this thing. And I know if I want to be one of the, if I want to be the best that I can be, I can't be doing it in a house. I need to open a shop. And if I've got to open a shop, I can't be scaffolding during the day, bro. I've got to put my end to that. And he just turned around. He said, bro, I knew this day was going to come. Mm. I just knew it. So then what happened? I met up with a friend of mine and he was someone I'd known all my life. And again, it was one of them ones where his mum and dad were loaded down to about six or seven pubs around our local area. But me and his son were the same, me and the boy were the same age. So I think his parents saw like two boys, really good friends, but one's got loads of money in his, uh, and the other is broke as broke as, hell you know what i mean nine in a one bedroom flat and that and they were like they like let me do anything in their pubs i used to big upstairs in a house and they were like oh i remember times I used to go into the pub kitchen open a big deep freezer and just pull out fillet steak and go and cook it on the thing and i was about 20 they just let me do whatever i want when i was a kid i was only about 10 they loved me so i knew that ben he was always his, my parents was always giving him money to try and start businesses and um i was just talking to him outside one of his mum's pubs once and he was like oh i hadn't seen him in years and he was like what are you up to and i told him the story and like that scaffolding but earning a bit of dough and i'm trying and he was like why don't you open a shop and i said that's the problem i said because of the who i am and like the name and that i said it's really difficult because a lot of people like like people that have got ha shops they wouldn't want anyone with like one of the tackaloos being they just so it's really difficult i said and plus i don't even know where there is any shops do you know what i mean and he literally was like it's one of their look and there was one across the road from his mum's pub and it said two let outside, massive. And he was like, why don't you go in there? That's quite a nice little shop. And I was like, mate, I don't know how to put it. I've never had a stable job in my life. I don't know. I've never even got a bank account. I've definitely ain't got a credit <laughs> score. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I've definitely ain't got enough the, the <coughs> system to be able to get myself in the studio. And he's like, all right, well, it's worth a thought. Anyway, right, next day, next day, bro, he calls me up and he's like all panting and that. He's like, need, need. I swear to God, bro, we've got to do this. We've got to do this. We've got to do this. I said, we've got to do what, bro? And he's like, we've got to open a tattoo shop. I said, what are you on about? Went, Let me just come and pick you up and show you some stuff. So he's come and picked me up. And you remember this kid, he's always trying to start businesses. So he's all about spreadsheets and profit and losses and stuff like that. And I'm all about rap music and getting stoned and like, do you know what I mean? Like drawing on people, right? And uh, it was mad because he's met me and he's like, right, I need you to keep like an open mind here and listen to me. He said, tattooists are earning £60 an hour. £60 an hour. I've put that into this chart and blah, blah. And he started showing me. He said, if we open a tattoo shop, we could earn six grand a month, bro. Like if you're tattooing full time every day, £400 a day, which is cheap. Mm. He said, we could be earning six grand, six grand a month. Like we'll split it. And up to this point, I'm like, Mate, I've always heard loads of people say loads of stuff. I believe it when I say it. So I started entertaining. It's like, yeah, all right, bro. Yeah, let's open the tattoo shop. Cool, yeah. And then he's like, yeah. So the next couple of few weeks later, he's coming up. He's like, I've, I've, I've looked at this shop. I reckon I can get us to shop. He said, how much do you think you need 
to get all the equipment you need and all the stuff like that and the chair and like don't think of just equipment in your hand think about chairs waiting area blah 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 blah. you're the tattooist so you know these things and i'm like Bloody hell, i've just done some tattoos in my house you know what i mean mm. like i'm still trying to learn it you're fucking yeah. proper throwing me in the deep end here so just like half thinking it was waffles still i went oh no 10 grand and he's gone all right okay sweet i'll um try and get that to you tomorrow and i'm like all right okay bro next day 12 o'clock he calls me come to the pub i've got this money I've never, I was up there quicker than a rat up a drain pipe because at this pipe, <laughs> I still like in that mindset of olden day, like hustler, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now imagine I'm sat in his car and he's gone, right, there's 10 grand. I'm going to get the shot, but there's 10 grand is going out. And then he's like, right. And I remember sitting there holding 10,000 pounds. And at this point, I'd never even held 1,000 pounds. Do you know what I mean? Like, and I'm like, I've got 10 grand in my hand. What's the hell? Like, and all these mad forces coming into my head. And then I just remember thinking, do you know what? Like, this will probably be the only time in life that I'll ever, ever have this opportunity ever again, ever. When will the universe put a system into play where I've got an old friend whose mum and dad are rich, who loves to start businesses, and I'm doing this. When is that the possibilities of that ever going to be in line again? Mm. So I'm like, I've, I've got to use, I've got to turn this 10 grand into 20 grand. I've got to do that. I've got, I owe it to, I just got to do it. And I remember I tried to make cutbacks where I was buying stuff, tried to buy eBay machines. And, and we, within three months, we made the shop look really cool. We was doing really good on the social media, planting it, and people was like, this is the new thing and that. And like now like people was like recognized because I've got a name for myself. It's like, yeah, that's one of the Takaloo boys that's open. That. So people was like, oh, that's sick. Yeah, like now they don't associate. That's the sort of industry they could imagine. Like, Yeah, you know I mean? now like, you fit in, yeah, yeah. Yeah, now I fit in, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because it's like tattooists are all like kind of like, bikers or like hardcore isn't they? yeah yeah little truth you know we're all soft as shit and we're like real nice guys <laughs> you know what I mean? like i've got library cards and that you know what i mean <laughs> but uh yeah isn't it? i've got a library card bro i swear um so yeah so people was like he's getting and then from the doors open bro i had people coming in i had people coming in and i remember i was tattooing them and I was doing these little bits, the small trivial things you could imagine, infinity logos, little symbols, not a touch of realism ever because you've got to prove yourself. But I, I was busy. All of a sudden, I'm making like £400 a day. Boom. But at first, I was living in this girl's house. Once I started, I got the shop, I just jogged her on and I didn't have nowhere to live. But I'm sleeping in the shop. I've got my tattoo chair. And I'm sleeping on the tattoo chair and I'm getting up. I'm going to the leisure centre to have a shower and that. And I'm coming, I'm tattooing people. So that was my place. And um, it went until like, the girl I'm with now, I've been with her for 12 years, been married for 10 years. She came to the shop. Her mum lived up the road. She was from London, but her mum had lived up the road. So she came to see her mum. She popped in the shop just to like, I think just inquire about a tattoo. And I just thought she was amazing. I was like, oh, I, I want to take you out for a meal or something. We've got to do something. And so I started sort of seeing this chick and I think she started clocking onto the fact that I was living in the shop. And then I went dropped. I went. I took her own once. At this point, I didn't have a driving license, nothing. Like driving without a license and all that madness is. You know what I mean? I'm still half. Yeah, yeah. yeah a yeah. cab, like um, you know, like council estate ruffian, and half like can't really understand. It. I've got a business now, and like, do you know what I mean? It's still like I'm just drawing on people. It's just official. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it wasn't until she, I dropped her off one day. She was like, "You ain't got a hat. You live in a shop, innit?" And I was like, "No." She's like, yeah, you do. I was like, no, I don't. And then and a couple of days later, I was like, yeah, yeah. Like, I just thought, you know what? I've got to get myself a flat. I'm getting a bit of money now. So I got myself a flat, started getting myself some furniture. And then before, like, a few months down the line, I'm like, wow, I've got, I'm steady working. 
I've got my own place. I'm not relying on nobody. Like, I'm making this happen. And what was weird is the guy that we, we started with the money with, he had some offer to do something because he's into businesses, you know. He does, like, business school and all that. And I think he had some opportunity to do something, but he had to go to China. And he comes to me and he said, bro, me and you have been friends for life, man. And he said, I don't expect nothing. He said, you, this business, you do it all. He said, it's all you. And I can't be taking half of everything for just paying, giving you 10 grand. And 10 grand, right now, it seems like a lot of money to you, but soon you'll realize 10 grand's nothing. It's such a small amount of money. And he said, so as long as you give me my 10 grand, and if you want to give me a drink on top, that'll be well nice. And he said, but I've got to go to China and do this thing. And my shop was across the road from his dad's pub. So I said to him, dad, if I can come in and give you like 200 quid every Friday. And I, and I ended up giving him way more back. I think I gave him like 20 grand back just to like say thanks or whatever. So yeah, I made it a thing. And, and meeting Chrissy as well, because she was like, you've got to get your bills in order, get your stuff in your name and this stuff. And so she started trying to help me get my credit score together and mm. things like that. And then she was like, in a way, motivating me to do stuff, but not intentionally. It was weird. Like, I remember we got a taxi once to the shop for my flat in Ramsgate because at this point I didn't want to drive this car about, I didn't have a license and that. I was trying to do things properly. When we got to the taxi, when we, as you know, we're tattooists. We have a lot of cash money notes in our pocket, but we don't like change. Do you know what I'm saying? We'll pay something and say, keep the change because we don't like the change. So anyway, we get the taxi and the taxi's like, seven pound, please. So I said to her, can you get it? Because you've got change and I've only got like 20 pound notes. So she pulls out a load of change, goes to pay for the taxi and the taxi driver goes, oh, that's odd. The girl's paying. And it sort of got my back up a bit. Like, how can he say that? Do you know what I mean? Like, when I got in the shop, I was a bit annoyed. Mm. Fran down me around a bit. And she went, what's the matter with you? And I said, it's flipping annoying. How can he just come out with that? Like, oh, the girl's paying. And I said, you don't know my outgoings. You don't know. I put 1,500 quid in my pocket, mate. It's all notes. And she went, he's right, though. Do you know what I mean? So she making me do things, not intentionally. And I was like, I've got to get a driving license. Do you know what I mean? So I was like, boom, I've got to get this. Book some lessons got my test and it was the same sort of scenario i was acting like i had loads of money and i was doing really well and i remember she was like you do well but she was like you can't really class yourself as having money until you've got your own house do you know what i mean like when you got your own house then the money in your pockets your money do you know what i mean and you can be like i've got money but any you go around any girls or anyone and say, anyone that's saying oh i've got dough i've got dough and a girl is always going to think have you got your own house and if the instant they haven't they live at their mum's house they're like you ain't got money mm. So she's just telling it how it is from a girl's perspective, real talk. So yeah. I'm like, I gotta get a house. Do you know what I mean? Now she's right. I got I can't be acting like I'm something special. And I, so then like I try I I, did, I I tattooed a couple of guys that like mortgage brokers and people like that, like real good, helpful people. And now by now I've got like a I'm starting to get really good at tattooing that like in that side and kind of and, get and was this the stuff. start of skin kitchen as well when that was that is that originally skin kitchen then? No, no, no. What happened, right? And that's a cool story as well, because what happened, I was tattooing in a house. And as you know, anyone that tattoos the house, they call him a kitchen scratcher, yeah? Yeah, yeah. So I was tattooing in a house and like a lot of people that had tattoo shops, I keep hearing these, this thing that's going around about me. They're saying, people are like, oh, have you heard about this guy in Westgate? And he's, he tattoos him. He's a really good tattooer. People are like, oh, mate, he's just a kitchen scratcher. Don't worry about him. He's just... So then people like I knew, like, oh, this guy was saying you're a kitchen scratcher or something, was that? I'm like, kitchen scratcher, just kept going around. I didn't know what it meant. I just thought it sounded quite cool. So when I opened that shop, my mate, he said to me, they're going to give me the money. He said, I'm going to give you this money, but I'm going to give it to you on one pretense. Like, what he went, I think you should call the shop kitchen scratcher. Kitchen scratchers. I went, why? 
He said, because think about it, he said, everyone is talking about this guy. And every tattoo he goes, oh, don't worry about him, he's a kitchen scratcher. So you've developed this name as like this guy who's a kitchen scratcher. He said, if you call the shop that, then everyone knows it's you, man. <laughs> everyone knows it's you. You ain't got to market it. Yeah. <laughs> I thought, he's the one with the business thing. I'm just a tattoo. So I went, let's do it. So we called it Kitchen Scratchers. And it did what it was doing. The doors opened, people started coming in, saying, knew it was me, the guy that was tattooing the house that was undercutting all these artists and banging out loads of good tattoos, better than they were doing in a lot of cases. When he went to China, by now it's been like a year, and I'm starting to realise that as a tattooist, it's probably not a good idea to call yourself a kitchen scratcher. You know what I mean? So I'm like, Instagram's come down, I'm trying to get... And a lot of the things... I, like I said, I never did it for no money. I wanted to be a sick tattooist. And like I was looking up to these people like Carlos Torres and Josh Duffy and the names like that. And like even a couple of the UK artists, one of the ones I used to always look at and rate was Craig Cardwell. And like years later, I know him really well. He's got a portrait of me. But I was looking at these boys and I'm like, I want these guys to know who I am. I don't care if I don't make one P ever again, but I want Josh Duffy to know who I am. I want him to just be like, that's a nice tattoo. So I was just always pushing to become better and better and better and better. And uh, I'd got a tattoo of Ryan Evans. And the reason I got a tattoo of Ryan Evans is because I loved his black and grey. And I thought, if I get a tattoo of him and I can kind of watch and I can pick up some tips and that. And I was showing him my work when I got tattooed. He was like, yeah, man, you're, you're a good artist. And he was like, but definitely, man. He's like, and I said, I just had a hard time getting like follows and that. And like some of the big guys, I said like, I know I'm as good, but I just I never get no likes. And he's like, have you never thought of changing your name? Like, and I said, why? And he was like, it's just, it's kind of like saying, hey, I'm shit. You know, he's Australian, isn't he? He's like, well, it's kind of like saying, hey, mate, I'm shit. And I'm mm-hmm. like, he's right, you know. So then I thought, I've got to change the name of the shop. But what happened is part, part of that 10 grand, we spent £3,000 on a shop sign and it was mental. <laughs> kitchen, it was all, the kitchen was all in bold, like cube letters of lights behind them. Scratchers was just vinyl. So I was like, how can I get a good name of a shop but keep that word kitchen? And then I was thinking of words that had kitchen in them that sounded cool for tattoos. Mm. And that's when I thought of skin kitchen. And I thought, that's what i got to do. So I just went up and I wrote <laughs> skin above the kitchen word. I crossed one out. Of, yeah, yeah. And then I remember I tattooed a guy and he was like, oh, yeah, do you know about websites? And I was like, no. And he's like, I build websites for a living. And I was like, really? He was like, let me build you a website. He built me a website. Started getting a little bit more business. Next thing, I've got a lad, comes to the shop, absolutely loves my work. He's talking about me like I'm the best thing since sliced bread. And at the moment, I'm chasing my own dream. I'm trying to get like likes from the people that I look up to. But without knowing it, I'm getting better and better. And it's from the outside, the people that are looking up to me are going, this guy is sick. He's really good. So I've got people now that want to learn how to tattoo. And my missus was like, this guy, Jordan, he wants to learn to tattoo. And he's quite, he's a wicked drawer. You should like teach him. You know what I mean? So I was like, It'd be quite cool to have an apprentice. So I took the lad on, taught him how to tattoo, showed him the basics. He picked it up like real quick, started getting in. And then all of a sudden, he started getting busy fully. And I had a little look at how it works. And like with people working in the shop, they pay you a percentage. And at the time, it was two of us. It was easy, 50-50. I'll pay for everything. Then I'm getting like money for tattooing, plus I'm getting money for him tattooing. And I thought, that's where the business is. Yeah. that's what that's where it is if you want to expand it's not about putting your prices up it's about bringing people in yeah then i started then i started like i brought i, I had another apprentice who trained up which is lee compton who still works for me now bad boy tattooist black and gray award winner jordan you like jordan everyone Baker. knows yeah. jordan the bakery he's yeah. worth his fire he's like man i swear he's going to be doing sullen 
I mean, any, anybody who's listening on, on, on this, you've got to check out the artist in uh, in V's shop. The, it's a fantastic studio and a bunch of artists. The work that's coming out of there is incredible. Um, and it's it's awesome that you've uh, you've trained them as well. So Yeah, I mean, and the mad thing about that was as well, like there's never been any animosity in this shop. We are like a proper family because we all started in it together. Do you know what I mean? I'd been tattooing at the shop for three years and I met Jordan. So I always say to Jordan, we built it together. Do you get what I'm saying? Because I'd just started to really get the hang of it when he, I started training him. And I say to him, he motivated me to become better as well because he looked up to me so much. So I wanted to fit that criteria of what he looked up to so mm, much. Mm. And I was like, bro, you put me so high that I push myself to be that high for you. Mm. And now he's massive. I mean, he's got double the amount of followers I have and he is, he is crazy. Like, oh, mate, I think he's on like 100,000 followers or something like that. But man, like I've got the shot, I've got the emails and I've got a bushel that does the emails and like the amount of emails that come for Jordan and the amount of people that want him to go and do shows and stuff. It's crazy. Like he's really, 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 really like mastered his style. And then another thing, when I was training these guys up, at the time, I was on black and grey realism, so that's what I love to do. So when I was training them, I was training them from experience. So I said to them, forget trying to do everything. Just pick what you like to draw and what you like and do that. Yeah. So because we did it like that, Lee did what he was good at, which is the realism. Jordan did what he was good at, which was all this, like, anything can colour him. I mean, his realism is mad. His, his um, neo-trad is crazy. His saturation is good. His, like, execution is amazing. So then I trained up another one. And then now the shop's getting a bit too small for us. And I know that if I'm in a bit of a better shop, a bit of a better location, I could charge a bit more money. So now I'm really thinking like a businessman. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So then I end up getting a bigger shop. And this bigger shop, more money. So I've got to get more artists. So I just started like going around, doing guest spots, meeting different people. And just through just friends and nine different people, I've ended up with like eight artists in the full runs 10 years down the line. I've got eight artists, all fully booked. I've got like a laser technician doing really well. I've got a PSR. I've got a two-floor studio. We've won multiple awards. I mean, like, I'm sponsored by the best tattoo machine company there is, hands down. Um, I mean, I've got loads of people now that help out so much and they do so much for us. And, like, it's it's been a mad roller coaster, but it's been one that's sort of just developed itself. And I haven't – it's, like, it's so weird. Like, I say to people, like, I created a monster and it's sort of just eating everything and it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And it's like, so I won't go into the boring stuff about buying houses and how I did that, but I bought a house, living in a house, ended up still with Chrissy 10 years down, 12 years down the line. We've got three kids now, nine years old, eight year old and a five year old real cool. And, and like having the life, I'm so thankful of the life I had growing up because I know now how to be what a good dad like what a good upbringing is versus what sort of yeah. and listen my upbringing i never say to people my upbringing weren't good my upbringing was good because there was love we had food yeah and we got by where there was love for us i'm saying and like obviously i was given what i needed to be able to succeed in life i was given enough and like i say if i was worried about the past i wouldn't have been able to work co co like concentrate on the future so anyway having the house um I learned, I learned a little bit about how businesses work and how money works and things like that. And I remortgaged my house. And then when I had that, a lot of people, I had 90 grand and a lot of people saying to me, buy a flat, buy a flat. And I knew buying a flat would be good, but I knew that, look, if you buy a flat, let's say you buy a flat, 100 grand, you rent it out for 600 quid a month. 600 quid a month's all right. You got your bits, let's say you end up with 400. I thought 400 quid a month's all right for nothing. But I knew that 
small businesses like tattoo shops made so much more than 400 quid a month. Yeah. So I was saying, in my experience, I need to put my money in a business. And then, like, again, the universe lined it up. I had a friend who was earning as much money as me, and I never really knew what he did. And then one day he told me that he owned this really successful uh, driving school in the local area. And that, but he told me that it wasn't his passion. He'd just done it. It's grown big into something big, but he's always been into photography. So he hopes that one day he can sell that company and use the money to start getting into something like I do a passion for my job, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. and he wanted to do photography. So based off that conversation, I decided to buy the company off him. So then I ended up now I've got a tattoo studio. I own one of the biggest driving schools in Kent. It's got his own crew staff that will make it run and do his own thing. So that's just turnover. And then, uh, and your sister's running that for you, isn't she? Sorry, did, say that again. Did, did your sister run that for you? She was, she was running it for me. But since now, because what was happening is my sister wanted to like, she's got a load of um, qualifications and stuff like that. And I don't think, I think what it was for her is in my family now. You've got my brother who's a boxer. I've got a brother who's like a, a famous rapper, and he's like really, really well known. And then I've got another brother who owns a scaffold company. And after I, after I did my bit, they all started doing little things. And I think, I won't say I inspired them to do it, but obviously they can see their brother's doing really well and he started his own business. So they're in, like... In business rather than... Yeah. Yeah. Where, well, the job I'm in, maybe I can own a company doing what I do. So yeah. now they've all got their own... So I think what happened with my sister, she was just like, every single one of my brothers and every my family have got their own company. And I just worked for my brother's company. She was like, I just want to do my own thing. So she wanted to do her own thing. And now I've got it more in-house. Like, my wife runs that. But like I said, like, the, the driving school, it's kind of, as long as you've got someone on the phones and doing the emails, it can run itself. It's a website. The drivers are all um, self-employed. We just pass the pupil on to them, you know. So they pay a franchise. And what we do, my website's inundated with people wanting lessons. So they message me. I'm looking for an instructor. Yeah, you just distribute the work. I just go, yeah, you two meet each other. It gives me 100 quid. Got a few instructors that's doing well. The newest thing that I've been doing, though, because I've been saving up a little, and this goes back to what we were first talking about at the very beginning, was that just before the, after the lockdown, everyone got back, and it was amazing to be back because we had so much time off, and like literally, like every like this eight of us here, you know what I mean? So they all live in different areas all got like families and stuff like that so we hardly even saw each other other than phone calls and stuff so it's so cool to get back and work but during that time of being in lockdown you know when they announced you could have unlimited uh, exercise remember that time yeah the first lockdown they said you could have unlimited exercise at the time it was really nice summer i had a 2018 cdu 300 uh, 230 gtr which was a 230 horsepower supercharged jet ski and I was just waiting for them to say you could have unlimited exercise. And the minute they aren't said that, I jumped in my freelander. I got a power. Went, Let's go out on the jet skis. We went down, went out, smashed it. Had a really good day. And it was that day. He was like, "Oh, have you seen these raffle companies?" And I'm like, "What raffle companies?" And he said, "I'm buying tickets at the moment for like a like Jeep Cherokee with a jet ski on the back for like eight quid." And I'm like, "What are you on about?" And he's like, "Best of the best and all them. Have you seen that?" And I was like, "No." So he started showing me these raffle companies. And I'm like, mate, they're sick. Are you sure they're not scams, though? And he's like, no, they're legit, bro. Anyway, that was a really eventful day because when we went to go back, he had an F-pace with him. And my car got stuck in the sand. And he's like, do you want me to um, tow you out? And I said, no, do me a favor. Take the jet ski off and take it to my house. And because uh, some guy just pulled onto the sand in a van. 
he was towing himself. So I said, if you take my jet ski, I'll just get this guy in the van to pull me out quick. So he took the jet ski home, and the guy in the van pulled in front of me, and he was trying to pull me out, but his clutch went. So now <laughs> we've got the wall, the harbour wall, his van, and my car. So when my pal gets back, he's like, I can't get in front of you to pull you out because he's there, and I can't get in front of him because there's a wall in front of you. He's like, your car's going to get sunk, mate. Mm -hmm. Now imagine, this is the first day of unlimited exercise. I'm in the, out in the ocean. I've got a freelander that's like four foot deep in water at the minute. <laughs> mate, there was about 500 people who just turned up out of nowhere, and they're all filming, all yeah. of them. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, God. So I thought, I better make a live video and turn this into my favour. Do you know what I mean? Because they're all going to be like, how irresponsible and all this kind of crap. So I was like, I mean, that. So I made a live vid and I was just chirpy about the whole thing. Mate, the car was a 500 pound car. I couldn't care less about it. I was more happy that I'd managed to get the jet ski off at my house. Yeah. A 20 grand jet ski. So I was like, well happy. So I was on this video going, look, I'm like, these guys i didn't bring them out i came out on my own these lot just turned up to film me and i'm being quite funny and jokey so everyone was like relating and thinking do you know what i mean it's kind of cool like you know and um yeah so the, the car got sunk it kind of <laughs> went a little bit viral made the news which i couldn't believe because mate i live seaside town like it happens all the time all the time <laughs> why did it happen to me was it on the news it was weird so yeah anyway a few days after that I, it was my birthday, so I bought the Defender because I wanted to yep. carry on going out on the ski. Yeah. And then when I went out of my mate, the, the first one we got stuck on when we tried to turn me out, we went out again. And he was like, mate, that's a sick whip, isn't it? And I was like, yeah, anyway. Anyway, so we was talking. And then I said to him, I said, just think, right, you know the raffle company you just showed me? He's like, yeah. I said, between the two of us, because he owns a massive waste company, I said, between the two of us, we could easily start one. I said, because think. I've got the jet ski and a Defender. I've got an F-Pace, like, that's just sitting about. So I've got a load of cool things that I've been buying because I thought I wanted them. So you want something, you buy it, and then you don't really care about it or use it. And it's like, it's the want that you need. It's not the actual thing. You want to feel, feel that, that want. So I'm like, mate, I've got all this stuff, nice watches and nice cars and bikes and things like that. And like, eventually I'm going to sell them because it's just like, you, know what I mean? you buy these things, you get rid of them, you buy new things. One week you want a motocross bike, the next week you want a quad, like, you know how it is. So I said to them, we could easily start a raffle company. It wouldn't cost much. Just, just sheer talking about it like that. It weren't a plan. And then he's like, yeah, yeah, because I've got my jet ski. And he said, if you put that stuff in, I could buy like a BMW. And then we've got like our first few raffles. So all we'd have to do is buy a ball machine. So then we started looking at ball machines. Then he was like, come up with some, you're sick at drawing, come up with a logo, come up with some names. And we was thinking of something to do with cars and bikes and then something to do with raffles and trying to convert that. And then it was really weird. So I texted him and I said, yeah, I've got a few names. And there was a load, but one of them was Turbo Tickets. And he said, bro, I thought of Turbo Tickets because it's like tickets is in raffle, Turbo is in cars. So then I, he said, draw a little logo. So I drew a little logo up and then I remember sending it to him and he said, oh, I've got a guy called Clarky I know that makes websites and he can maybe tweak the logo. Let's see. So he sent it to him. He made the logo a bit better, sent it back. And then he's like, who's doing your website? Then he ended up doing it for us. And then before you know it, we're applying for a gambling license and like it's it's all going like, like mad because we're just thinking, yeah, raffle, do it on Facebook. Then we realise it like, there's all these governed rules and it's like all the gambling commission and do you know what I mean? There's laws around this type of stuff. You've got to have a license. You can't just raffle something on Facebook. 
if you if you put a picture up of a tenner on Facebook and say I'm raffling this for a quid, they'll take that post down like that because mm. you're not allowed to. You're not allowed to raffle money, especially right. So. Yeah. So then we had to find out how we could go around it. So then we had to get a gambling license. We had to go through the commission. And then, like, he's like, right, mate, this ball machine is 20 grand. So everything we're splitting. Is this like, a, like a lottery-type ball machine that does yeah, the draw? Right Do you know what it is? We watch some of the draws, and then a lot of them, they just go to Google random generator. Yeah? Right, yeah. Because randomizer. Yeah. And because I know Photoshop because of tattoo, and I said, bro, like, I know it's probably not. I said, but that's so easy to fake. I said, we can just, you could get a website and they could be the pages. And then you could, every time you press enter, a new one just flashes like a new number. That can all be Photoshopped. And that. I said, it doesn't, that's probably why people, the number one in, problem in this industry is people say, is it a scam? And I thought the same. And I said, this is the reason why people think it's a scam. How can you give away an Audi R8? but you're generating your numbers off Google. If you've got the money to buy an Audi R8, why haven't you got the money to buy some sort of ball machine to make it like legit? Mm. No one can question it. So then we was like, we've got to buy a ball machine. My partner, he's got a waste company and then he sells polyethylene terephthalate broken down, which is plastic. He gets them out of the ocean and all that. He's got a massive company. He sells plastic PT to China. So he's in with a load of Chinese manufacturers. He said, I'm going to speak to one of the manufacturers because I'm sure they do these machines he's come back to me and he's gone bro this ball machine is like 50 grand machine in the uk but we can get it for like 20 grand plus we've got to pay for the shipping it just looks better he said like you've got all these mm. companies if we start us and we've got this machine we're going to start off in a better place than them so i'm like let's get the ball machine so the next thing you know we're putting 20 bags in then we've got like uh the website oh mate that ended up costing nearly like, over 20 grand because of the fact that that's to take payment. That's to issue tickets. That's to have a merchant. That's, it's doing so much. You know about websites. Yeah, they're not cheap. Just that level of, like, the levels of it is just, it's, you've got to answer the question. It has to take your bank details. It has to it, take the money out of your account. It has to forward it to one of our accounts. It then has to give you your ticket number. It has to put you in a list with the other ticket numbers. It has to keep, a num it has to keep the number of tickets left versus numbers plus the dates is, is a lot going on. Plus, and we're always uploading new raffles to it, new stuff. So the website, crazy amount of money. And then we realized, look, when you're paying for marketing, let's say we was going to do our first raffle, you were marketing on Facebook. So like when Facebook does an advert, it puts it in front of like, let's say it sells you 40,000 people. That's just 40,000 people it's in front of. That's not 40,000 people that are going to buy a ticket. Mm. so now we're like how do we hone in on those people do you get what i'm saying on the ones that are going to buy Ta targeted so marketing like, as you probably know if you've done like a facebook marketing you can go right deep on it but the more you deep you go the more it costs do you know what i mean so now we're expecting to sell our stuff and get like 80 grand for this and 50 grand for that and be like millionaires in like three weeks and then we realized what we need before we can really make this successful is we need a database of people that buy tickets. doesn't matter how many of it, we need a database. So now what we're doing at the stage we're in now is we're spending most of the money, I'd say 90% of the money that we're making on these raffles, which we're doing really well. I mean, we almost sold a thousand on the Defender anyway, but I'll get to that. We're spending most of the money we're making on marketing to make the money. But at the same time, when we're getting these people, they're subscribing and they're looking out for our next next competitions. So we know that for three months, the way we've built it, we've forecasted it, is for three months, we've got a raffle with no money in it just to build up our audience. Then after we've done that, we can then raffle for the same 
like an items. Like on a week, I could let's say do a BMW, a Defender, and a Superbike. Let's say I've spent fifty grand. If I'm doing four thousand, three to four thousand on each at nine ninety nine, then there's forty grand on each item. So you're talking about hundred and twenty thousand take yeah. out. So it's a it's big business. <laughs> But it's a big business that you've got to be able to survive the first bit. Now, what's difficult is you've got to buy the stock. Forget your bull machine and all that and the gambling commission. That's 50 grand on its own. You've got to buy your stock. And luckily, I bought that Defender because my bike got caught in the sand. And that bike got caught in the sand because I went out to go out with him. And when it done exercise, NAS got me thinking. I'm going back to talking about the universe. And I'm like... If lockdown, if coronavirus hadn't happened, lockdown wouldn't have happened. Like, if lockdown wouldn't have happened, I wouldn't have gone out on that jet ski. If my car hadn't got stuck, I wouldn't have bought the Defender. Had I not bought the Defender, I wouldn't have spoke to him about the company. Like it's like, yeah, it's like goes back to what we're saying. How it's maybe a way your perception, how you look at it. But I'm I'm just keeping an open mind on so many things now, Rich. And the way I do it, bro, everything I'm presenting, I look at it is. What's the universe trying to tell me here? What's going on here? Do you know what I mean? So I think like, because I'm thinking like that, I'm not dwelling on past experiences or letting that fuel anything. Mm. The universe can only go one way, mate, and it's forward. It doesn't know how, it can't turn back on itself. Yeah. You know? So I'm like, that's the direction. We know that we've always got to go forward. You can't turn no corners. You can't go backwards. And that's why I've got this. I don't have tattoos on my hands. But if you can see this, I've got this little bow and arrow. It's like a little arrow. You see yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. That arrow, I've got that in my hand just to remind me that anything I do, just just go like an arrow. An arrow can only fly straight, it can only go forward, it can't turn corners and it can't go back on itself. Mm. You know? Yeah, so it's not a boomerang. I try to live by that now. And it's really exciting times. So I've got Learn to Pass is still doing well. Skin Kitchen is always going to do well. It's a branded thing now. And we've got so many people, so many people that love using us. The only problem we've got is these restrictions. We can't do what we're going to do. Um, turbo tickets on the other hand that's something that, that can happen any restrictions any lockdown yeah. anything like that. and that is all it was meant to be a bit of fun and obviously we did it for money we wanted to get money out of it obviously but realistically I was like I would rather start something have a bit of fun and get rid of this stuff I got than didn't just sell it because I know that if I sell it I'm going to want something else next week and then I'm going to buy that and then I'm going to sell it. And that's that cycle. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, you, t- you turned them into investments, didn't you? Because like they, they, they yeah. are now the founding um, money pot of your, of your new business. What's the, what's Definitely. this new website? The turbo tickets website. Is it .co.uk or uh, no, it's actually a .uk site. So it's www.turbotickets.uk. And uh, yeah, you just go on there and it will say, competitions you click on competitions it'll bring up what we got we got some cool things at the moment amazing things and these things are thought of given our current circumstances so i thought right what does people want at the moment they could do with a bit of money so i got a thousand pound on there at the moment for one pound 99 right i mean you don't care if you lose 199 dr that's like what you're giving <coughs> a homeless person right but for 199 you could win a, a, a grand and that's only two thousand entries so 1999 people so the odds are brilliant. And then we've got an electric scooter, which is completely free. That's mm-hmm. 100% free. You could go on there now, subscribe, claim a free ticket. And then we're going to give that away. That's got, I think, 2000 And then we've got some quite bigger prizes. We've got some his and hers Rolexes, date just with the diamond faces, the buy gold. There was about 15 grand for the two. We're doing them for nine ninety nine. 
2,000 tickets again. I mean, if you do the math, you can see there's a profit. But then when I told you about all that marketing we've had to spend, you can see there's nothing in it. There's mm. nothing in it to begin with. Yeah. Also, what else we got? We've got a Kawasaki 650 Ninja, which is really nice, and a 17 plate. I know that's probably like a little pea shooter to you because I know you love your bikes and cars and stuff like that and you're all about them. So, that. But the reason we did that is it's more of an entry-level thing, you know what I mean? Yeah. We've also got, what else have we got? We've got the Defender and that's going like mental. Everyone everyone, and anyone has been buying tickets on that. It's a 2002 Defender station wagon. It was my own personal car, so I did so much to it. Remember that video I put? I don't know if you saw it, but the roof Yeah, it's nice, man. So like if... Um when does it ra raffle and when the, all the tickets are sold for that raffle? Doesn't no, 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 no. The way it works is, I mean, I'd like it to be like that because that means we've got security, but the gambling commission sets the rules. And what we've got to do is we have to, when we do a raffle, when we announce we've got a prize up, we have 30 days to basically sell out. If at the end of the 30 days, we can extend four times if we wanted to. And then also we have got an option of, if we didn't sell out, we could offer set an a cash alternative of 70% of the tickets that have been sold. But we, from the very beginning, promised we was never going to do none of that. We're just going to go to raffle. Like, for an example, at the moment, the, the Ninja, I think it's got like maybe like 11 days left and it's only sold 200 tickets. Now, anyone else would extend that for four weeks. But like we're like, mate, this was meant to be a bit of fun. We've both got businesses. We both make money. So I would rather give 200 people new ticket numbers from one to 200 and email them and say, the odds just got even better for you. Yeah. And then go, boom, do the bike. Because what, what's a bike? What's a, you know what I mean? It's a three and a half grand bike, 3,700 quid, I think. 17 plate bike. But I would rather someone get that and it'd be fair and then go, you know what? They didn't sell out and they brought it forward. They still did it. <clears throat> right. Hang on a minute. So, so there's a 17 plate Kawasaki Ninja sitting that's going to be raffled off in 11 days and there's only 200 people entered out of the 2,000 <laughs> that could enter. Right, holy yeah. shit balls, man. So, like, like for anybody who's listening, because I'm going to upload this tonight onto the podcast channel, right? So, like, literally, <laughs> like, how much is it to enter this? How much is it to enter this? Do you know the worst one? Oh, the bike is four ninety nine. It's not, uh, next to nothing. <laughs> but you know what the killer on is? The Defender, right? Because that's my personal car. Spend. Yeah. A lot of money buying it. And I did so much to it. Blood, sweat. You know how it is when you've got a little project like that. And that has got 3,000. And we haven't even hit the first thousand. So we're not a third of the way through. And I think there's only 18 days left on that. Now, all of these are going to draw on the 16th of December. So they're all getting wow. delivered before Christmas. So we've got the Rolexes which we spent loads of money on. And th at the moment, I think we've sold less than 50 tickets on the Rolexes. We've got an Apple Watch. This is one of the good ones. We're doing a weekly tech draw, which is only a seven-day draw anyway. It's not 30 days, seven days. And at the moment, we've got the newest iPhone, what Apple Watch. Four days left. It's only sold 30 tickets so far. And none of these we're going to extend. We're going to give them out. So, like, if you bought 10 tickets on the, on the Apple Watch, which I know someone who did, because he said to me, I just bought 10 tickets, he's got... There's only 30 sold and he's got 10 of them. So at the moment, the ball's in his court. You know what yeah. I mean? Like I said, a lot of these companies would extend, but we're definitely not going to do that. Like everyone has my word on it. We're definitely not going to do that. Like we would rather keep it fun and let it be fair. Do you know what I mean? People have, when people put their 10 pounds in and bought a ticket, they was expecting to win that. So someone. Yeah, you've got, you got to keep it right, haven't you? And, and 100%. Re reputation as well. Like, if if in, in this industry straight off the bat if you aren't doing what you said you were going to do then 
no one's going to come back back again. But as, I tell you what, as soon as people start winning those vehicles, then watch that was it. the thing, Rich. I tell you what, the reason we was um so, it was such an important thing to not extend is because at the moment people looking at our website, they're going, "This is such an incredible website. You've done so well." The only thing we haven't got at the moment was we haven't got any footage of anyone winning anything. The only yeah. thing we've given away was a scooter we gave away to follow our um, Instagram. Yeah. So the first December draw is going to be amazing because we're going to be doing the scooter, the bike, the Defender, the cash, the Apple Watch, and what was the other thing? I think that's all of it. But we're going to do all of that on the same live draw. So we go to draw live on Facebook, bang, and then we've got a haulage company that have agreed to work on Christmas Eve, so they're going to be delivering that. Wow. Now imagine, imagine, like, boom, boom, open the door, there's the keys to your defender, Merry Christmas, picture of a winner, and you've got that Christmas Eve, mate. Ain't no present you've got that's going to outdo that for nine ninety nine. you know what I mean? So, it's going to be a great, and so that, that, what that's going to give us is a lot of people then are going to be like, these, this, these yeah. guys are wicked, do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's a really fun show, it's really cool, and they, um, they had loads, they're, they're honoring their word. Do you know what I mean? So I think with anything and like a lot of this, I base off the back of how it was for the tattoos. And I remember when I started tattooing, I just wanted to be the best at it. I didn't care about the money. I didn't care about how long I had to go in the evening doing it. None of that mattered to me, Rich. And that was, that's what put me to where I was. So I said to my partner, I said, everything I think of, I use that same mindset. So I'm like, we've just got to, do as best as we possibly can and we got this motto we say low odds cheap tickets premium prizes so it'll always be that i don't think we will ever do anything for more than nine pounds 99 and like you know about cars that 2002 defender that's a, that's the classic right yeah it's kept original and it's in mint condition if you was to buy that and put it in your garage in 20 years time that'll be a 40 grand car all day long they're getting more fewer and far between they're rarer they're getting rare now I bought that. It cost me the best part of 20 grand and I've spent so much money doing it up and so much stuff done to it. And like at first I was so eager to see it sell out and I was just, I was like a crazy person checking it every day, sell out, sell out. And now I'm like, you know what? I don't care. What I'm looking forward to now is seeing someone win it for a tenner. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's what I'm looking for. Are you going to go? Are you going to deliver it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 The, uh, the first month, yes, the first month's uh, winners, we're going to personally deliver them. Yeah. So we're going to go there with the, the the banners and that, and literally, personally. I think with the Defender, it's important for me to do that because it's got so much stuff on it that it'll take me forever to learn how to use it. It's got a kill switch. It's got like the the six uh, the nine ton winch. It's got the the the, um, the pressurized shower. That I built yeah, this defender is a, a piece of kit. It's not just a, it's not just a standard normal defender. It's like stealth no, black no. tinted windows. It's got the yeah, wheels. Yeah, it's got the it. winch. Yeah. It's got it's got everything, hasn't it? It's like yeah. I mean, part of the reason why I went so mad in on it is because when I sunk the Freelander, <laughs> as you could imagine, I had quite a few people because it went viral. Quite a few people was taking a mic going, "Ah, sussed, mate, you lost your car, acting bad and that, thinking you're cool." So then I put that Defender. I bought it. It was on my birthday. It got delivered, and I posted it. And I said, "Hey, look, guys, I got me a new tick runner." And I did that just to shut down all the haters. Yeah. But like I said, the, the universe works in a weird way. And all I really did is I bought a top of the range, probably the most like military and most best looking on the eye defender that you could see in a long time. And event, I mean, well, how long have I had it? I got it in May 19th. So I haven't even had it a year. And it's already, I mean, 
I think we've got a draw date of like the 16th of December. So I know after the December 16th, it doesn't, it's not my car anymore. Yeah. It's gutted. It's horrible, but <laughs> it's going to be good. It's, you know what? It's, it's going to be worth it to see someone's initial reaction. It's a, it's a, it's an experience, isn't it? And, and obviously it's investing, like I say, it's investing into your, into the future of, of a new yeah. business for you. So I hope that goes well for you, man. It's, um, it's exciting stuff that you know like uh, i mean yeah, I think... I'm, I'm really excited about it like i said like a lot of people i'm putting so much time into this and i really thought that it would put dig into my tattooing time and like no matter how much businesses i do and no matter how successful i get i can't seem to get out of the shop and like you know what i mean like I'm the i will same. always be a tattooist and i will always and i was talking to someone the other day i said if i think if i won the euro millions i'd probably turn up on monday for work you know what i mean it's like that because of the job we all want to be we see something like for example you did a tattoo let's say two years ago two years later you had the opportunity to do the similar or the same tattoo like a portrait of someone you want to do it because you want to do it better than you did last time now in that short period of time you could have won the euro millions but you'll still go and do still that do the it's, tattoo, about, yeah, it's about proving to yourself isn't it so i think that's why tattooing's amazing because you're earning money by proving to yourself that you can be better and you try to be on a daily basis do you know what i mean it's enjoyable yeah. it's, it, it, it is an enjoyable thing to do but it's something that you've got to um i don't know whether you listened to my last pod- podcast but that was about the cash flow quadrant and it was about exchanging your time for money and when yeah, you stop yeah, no, exchanging your time for money the money stops yeah, no, I did see that. And, and this is where this is where most people are, are stuck at the minute now you know, getting over to the right-hand side of the quadrant, business instead of self-employed. This is what we're talking about here. We're talking about a system that if you um, spend X amount of money on a prize, you spend X amount of money on advertising, then you will get X amount of sales of tickets and, you know, therefore generate profit. It's a pretty simple system, really. And yeah, I'm, I'm not a gambler. I'm, I'm, I'm not. I think I've bet on the grand national once maybe mm. um i'm not a gambler not one bit and 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 so like obviously i've i've seen what you do and i, and I didn't really understand it and I, i've got to be honest i didn't trust these things at all until uh steve cutter and i didn't steve cutter won a um an aerial atom uh, aerial atom did he win an aerial he atom? won I an aerial atom yeah off uh, off he one won of that the... on rev comps i know the company yeah yeah it was, yeah, it was rev comps i and uh, i was talking to him and i said what happened then he, he says he won it for like he bought 20 pounds worth of tickets and won an aerial atom i'm like this shit's real what man has he, he still got it i think he might have sold it like, the poor dude's not very well he's uh he's got stuff going on uh, with his health and that so um, I, th- I think he has and sold it. Him right out, didn't yeah, man, like, 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 bonus, you know. So, um, but it yeah, was actually that happening that made me realise, like, shit, these things are real, you know. Like, like, they yeah, do actually give these things away. Um, yeah. And when you think about it, it's a pretty simple thing, really, isn't it? You know. So, um, like, I'm not me, a gambler, like, but first, I mean, I don't, I don't do gambling, mate. But then, more I got into it, the less it felt like gambling for me because I thought, you know what, we're having a laugh and giving people the opportunity to to win these things they wouldn't normally be able to have in life. And is I don't think it's, I mean, it's not like we're in a casino putting all our money down and it just getting rinsed out. I think we're giving, we're trying to give stuff back. You know what I mean? So, like for an example when it says 3,000 tickets, that's the maximum if it sells out. It yeah. is, I mean, at this stage of the game, it's very rare for it to sell out. We've only just started, do you know what I mean? So we're, we are all about people as opposed to ourselves, do you know what I mean? But um, yeah, like, 
I'm the same. I really, really, really did. I'm not a gambling person at all. And I thought none of these, any of these things were real. And it's when I started looking into them that I started to realize, do you know what? There's, if you're one of those people that thinks it's a scam, then unfortunately you're the one that's going to miss out because there is genuinely people winning like Lamborghinis for nine pounds and things like that. Mm. There's one at the moment, exclusive competitions. They've got some 85, they've got some Merc, which is like 200 grand Merc. You can, if you win that and someone's going to win it with nine quid and then all the cash alternatives, 85 grand. Who doesn't want that at, this, at the moment? You know what yeah. I mean? But these companies that have got to the point where they can level off there, it's cost it's made it's cost them so much to get to that level. So they probably put yeah. everything they've got ring mortgage in their houses and everything to get to this level. And a lot of people go, Oh, look, the amount you're making versus like oh you're getting up. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. People are always... like, but like I said, it goes back to what we were talking about earlier, where human beings we're bred to always see the negative into stuff. Yeah. You know, like I've posted a picture of a defender and said nine ninety nine, and people are like, Oh, it's got red seats, no thanks. And I'm like, I paid £20,000 for the thing that you could potentially have for nine ninety nine, and you're finding a negative in it. I was happy when I paid twenty grand and it turned out. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> really got to, we got, I think as a human race, we got to more start to look at what we like got as opposed to what we haven't and start to be less pessimistic of people and start to be more supportive of people's plans. I feel like if we was doing that, we could, I feel like that's probably stopping the evolution of human existence and a human race at the moment. Do you get what I'm saying? There's a lot of glitches. Because that's the whole back, isn't it? Yeah, there's a, there's a lot there's a lot of glitches. But like you say, if if everybody could just uh, do a little bit more, help out, help each other a little bit more, and um, you know, look on the positive rather than the the negative, try and find solutions instead of problems. Then yeah, the world the world would definitely be be a better place. So, um, but obviously, yeah. The, 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 with, with gambling, it's a, it's a different thing. It's a psychological thing as well, isn't it? It's it's not just um, comes yeah. down to money. It's like about that person's mentality. On yeah, but like I say, I'm not a gambler, but I tell you what, the odds sound really good on this. So we're going to be wrapping this interview up shortly, and I'm going to be like hitting these <laughs> You're buttons gonna head here, over there and, and I'm, I'm going to head over there and grab some tickets. You're going to be on the website later. Oh, he's bought some of them, and he's bought some of them. But no, dude, I'm definitely gonna gonna jump in. I've, I've, I haven't even. Not being a gambler, even though like I've I've seen you posting this stuff and not understanding it and and you know so like like I have I haven't like even been tempted. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah, like to be honest with you, it's like I've never I've never won anything. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean that's what it takes. Like I've seen like for me, I've seen people buy like ten tickets and then the person wins whatever it is on one. You know what I mean? And it's yeah. like we. There's people out there that are triple winners. People win like every week. There's multiple, and I think I'm one of those people that never wins anything. You know what I mean? But like, for me, this doesn't really seem like feel like gambling. It kind of form feels like you're having a bit of fun. You know what I mean? And also, the way we're gonna do it is we are we are like we're giving a lot of money money, money to charity with like a lot of the proceedings that we earn. But also, we're looking at different systems how to not let people get too like addicted to it and do you know what i mean like we've got to understand that if you see an aldi r8 for 9.99 there's going to be people that are going to throw all their money at that do you know what i mean so we we are like working with companies to be like how can we go around this and make sure people are doing it safely and like not getting to and we've got the right to just literally kick people off and stop them gambling and just mm. de delete them from our subscriptions and like people will be like yeah who's going to do that but honestly you know like, we've got a member of staff that literally goes through like the database the sales and, and if there's 
we've got a system where it shows highlights if someone's doing too much or there's a chart system of how much they're doing it. And if they start going to the higher end, they'll first receive emails saying, look, I think we feel like you should tone it down a bit. So boom. And then if it keeps going on, then we can just literally cancel it. You know what I mean? Stop, mm. stop doing it. It is meant to be a bit of fun at the end of the day. Do you know what I'm saying? We don't want people working all their hours and throwing money at raffle competitions. That being said, I can see why they feel it because they're like, if I want a defender, all that money I've just... So at the end of the day, I kind of is gambling and you're chasing what you've lost, but I don't think people are buying tickets to win something to pay back the money that they've lost on tickets. I think genuinely no. it's cheap, good odds for good things. Like, look at this. I've, I, I've been researching this now because I've got into this company and the lottery is exactly the same thing. It's exactly the same thing, but it's marketed so, so well that people actually budget for lottery mm. do you know what i mean it's it's no different to what we're doing that's governed by the same rules they have to give the same amount to charity they have to they have to tell you how many tickets they got versus how many tickets they got. they got to go all that has got to be transparent and i looked at it and i thought how well have the national lottery had their marketing where human beings actually budget a part of their weekly wages to play that gambling they have so took away the the aura of that being gambling that it's mm. normal for you to have like a five pound budget weekly. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's marketing, man. It's how you do it. So, well, it's, it's, it's certainly got a good name do. anyway, and uh, it's a, it's got a good man behind the business mm -hmm. as well. So, um, now I hope it succeeds for you, man. And uh, I, I'm 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 definitely gonna go and jump on and buy some tickets. Um, Definitely would be good to see your name on the datas. <laughs> <laughs> is it an issue with the, another like thing with it? Is you won't get because if more people share it, then the more people enter, so it reduces their yeah, chances of, of entering. So like like that's an yeah, issue yeah, as well. Yeah, like it yeah, it it's does, a, yeah, it's it's a tricky it's one. one. Of those ones, though. It's one of those ones where it is kind of like that. Like I had a friend text me. He said, oh, I bought, I bought 200 quid's worth of tickets on a Defender. I'm like, you should share the card. And he's like, I don't want to share it because I don't want... But it's like <laughs> the, the website has been built in a way... It's like, you know, when you go on Amazon and you see... You were going to buy something and it says, last one left, two people are looking at it. Mm. I doubt that's the last one. And I definitely doubt there's not two people looking at it. But that's mm. making you think, I've got to buy. Yeah. So... There's, we've got like we got a marketing team. We pay them a lot of money to sort out our advertising and our marketing. We use a lot of memes and things like that in different ways to get people in. But ultimately, man, I think it what it is is people seeing people winning. That, that's so what you need. December, that's that's what you need. Go. That's what's gonna that's what's gonna make it. Fast forward to December the sixteenth when we do that first raffle and people see these things and obviously like someone wins a defender, their friends see that and go, oh my god, he's won a defender. So. So December like said, the 16th. Right we're building a database. December all the 16th. though, I appreciate them all. Yeah, December the 16th. I think it's, it ties in around about that day, yeah, for like uh, the Defender and the else. But I think we're going to do them all at the same time, December the 16th. But That's going to be an exciting day. But it's on the website. There's a countdown. It goes down and it yeah. tells you the actual date of the draft draws and the date of the live draw. Yeah. It's going to be an exciting day for me now because I'm going to go and get some tickets. So I've got something it's to look forward to. Mid well good. <laughs> we're also, another thing we're doing, which I forgot to mention, is this is how we're giving back. When we do the live draw, anyone who's watching, if they comment, we're going to take all the comments, put them into a spreadsheet and turn them to numbers. So we've got people. Yeah. And then we're going to pick people to win stuff just for watching. Yeah. So it's going to be stuff like 
Apple watches, hoodies, T-shirts, things like that, yeah. uh, credit for the shows. But that will be just purely for watching the live shows. We're going to make them as fun as possible, do some cool stuff, you know, like, so it's going to be a fun thing to watch. So definitely watch the live draws. And anyone watching has got a chance to win stuff anyway, you know what I mean? But it's going to be a cool thing to do. I'm really excited, man. Well, I'm going to jump in it. So it's turbotickets.co. Okay. No, dot .uk on its own. Sorry, dot .uk. Dot .uk, right, brilliant. You got it. Shop, shop website, uh, Skin Kitchen. Skin, uh, ta- yeah, skinkitchen.com. Yeah. All you got to do is, like, if you, if you, anything, I think any one of us that you type, like, say you type V Tattoos or the bakery, I'll give you a quick uh, shout on some of their, uh, on some of their uh, Instagrams if you want to have a look. So, definitely check out the bakery. That's Jordan's. He's yeah. amazing. Then you've got Compton Tattoos. That's Lee. Amazing. This is a studio up here, which is us free. Mine is V for Unique. And yep. I've always had this little thing where I say to people, if you can guess what that name means and what it's about, I'll give you a free day of tattooing. And like, yeah, that's a little mystery. So anyone who can work it out what the name means, they get a free day of tattooing. Wow, you've got loads of giveaways and prizes and stuff. So. I like making people think, you know what I mean? They're like, where does your name come from? And instead of just telling them, I'm like, well, if you can guess... If you can put your light edge knowledge to the test, you'll be able to work it out. It's it's quite, it's like a little riddle. So just have a little look at that. And if you win that, you can get a free downtown. Who else have I got here? Downstairs, I've got Marius. His name, he's called, he goes by the name of Marius Presserer on Instagram. He's an awesome black and gray artist. Realism, really, really, really good style. He's a Romanian lad. And you know those Eastern Europeans, they, can, they know their way around the machine. Mm. He's also does uh, street magic. He's wicked at it. Like, cards sticking to windows and putting fags out on your clothes and that is brilliant little magician then i've got nate uh which goes by the name of wavy ink nate he's really really good again he does black and gray he's more of an illustrative artist although he does uh realism as well i've got jess della della force do you know what i had to say that because last time i said name i said delaware and she was like what the hell are you calling me but i don't know where that comes from so it's jess della force she does all, all the um trad and like the uh neo trad she's brilliant uh, her like palette is amazing i've got a girl called jade harris tattooist she's amazing she does black work absolutely incredible um and then i've, I've actually got so i've got jade jess marius nate I've got sketch work in here as well. Channel yep. 4, 3, 4, Tattoo, yep. fixer. tattoo Fixers. Yep. He's a great, great guy, man. He's a top, top dude. I know Sketch got like a, a, a lot of like hate in the industry. I think a lot of jealous people and, you know, there was a few bits and pieces that you could have pulled him on maybe, but I think it was more to do with the tattoo show than the guy, the guy himself, you know what I mean? And, um, definitely I mean we've all done I think I think any tattooist that says every single tattoo they've done from the beginning has been amazing is talking shit yeah like we all have bad days and sometimes even if the client's happy we might not self be ourselves. you know it's sketch with your full Steve's time he's made like a massive massive improvement since working here his work has got and he says it himself he says working here being around you guys has definitely, definitely like made me a better artist. Do you get like um, with, little fangirls? Do you get fangirls outside? Too, the, the thing with Sketch though, which is amazing, is like, let me tell you, you will never meet a person with a bigger heart. Like he will give you, he will give you the shirt off his back if he, if you're a stranger. I've seen it. I don't say that lightly because I know it. Like we've been, I've been at his house once and then there was a kid walking past who had like a bleeding nose and a couple of kids had just jumped him and he was only like 15 or something. 
And Steve went down there to make sure he was all right. And he just went a bit further, do you know what I mean? Put him in a car, took him home, got him some food. It was just like, he'll do that for anyone. We'd be on the beach and he'd see a seagull with like a bit of fishing hook around it. And he'll literally, he'll go out of his way to make sure other people are all right around him. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Everyone's got their good points and bad points. And it's, it'd be stupid if I said he, if he was perfect. None of us are perfect, you know what I mean? But like, in the quest to get there, we're all trying, aren't we? Yeah, we're you all know? trying. And like, yeah. He's a nice guy, man. And like his work is amazing. He's got the heart of gold. I've got so much time for him. And the thing was, I was glad that I went down that angle because it would have been so easy to jump on the bandwagon with all the tattooists that were hating him and mm. and everyone just because it was the trend, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah? yeah. Remember when Fuck Tattoo Fixers was campaign was happening and all yeah, that? And I'm that was real. It was a, ex, but it was exactly at that time where I opened my arms and said, you know what, bro? I'm not going to be like one of them people. And I don't give a shit what people say. I took a photo because the way I met him is I was hyped, man, at one of my brother's shows. Yeah. Uh, Brixton HQ or something like that in London. And he came, Steve with his wife came into the green room to meet Rocky. And I was like, oh, I would have never thought you like rap. Do you know what I mean? Like, I've seen you on tattoo figures. You like a little rock and roll bob. Do you know what I mean? Mm. I don't think you like rap music. But he rated my brother so much that I had respect for him for that. Now, at the end of that show, my brother was doing a hit. One of his hits is called Ghost Town. He was going mental but he was pulling people up on stage from the crowd. And I've seen Steve and his birds, so I grabbed them and pulled them on stage. When we went back at a show afterwards, I had a photo, I said, come have a photo of me. And he turned around to me and he said, bro, if you upload that, you will lose all your followers. And when he said that to me, I said, I don't care because if my followers want to unfollow me because I've put a picture up of a guy who I think is a safe as fuck and I'm not jumping on a bandwagon and doing what everyone else does, then they don't deserve to follow me anyway. Mm. So when I put a picture up of him, he was gobsmacked because at that time, all he had was pure hate. And he's like, rah, this guy, he's not a dickhead. He's V-tattoos. He's known in the industry. He's got a lot of friends in the industry that potentially, and everyone could avoid him off for doing that. And I just told him, I said, at the end of the day, bro, I'm not like just one, I'm not a, I'm not a follower. Do you know what I mean? I do things the way I do them. And so the way we met as well is I think he could see that I was real and that I weren't a, type, a fake type person that was going to do um, what most others would do. And um, we got kids the same age. His girlfriend and my girlfriend are like really, really good friends. So the kids are all the same age. It's just like he is definitely part of the family. Do you know yeah. what I'm saying? Ah, that's cool, man. And yeah, I, th I think, I mean, that's where we met down at London Tattoo Convention, maybe what, six, six years seven ago? Seven years ago, yeah. Yeah, six, seven years ago. Do you know what was really weird? I was going to, um, I had it at home and I forgot to bring it because I knew he was going to mention this and I was going to pull out the stone. Have you got the stone? I've still got the stone. Belter. <laughs> Absolutely belter. Like there's so many people that I've given them little stones to and, and years on, it they tell us lot. that they've still got it. And it is, it, it is, it's a buzz. It's nice to know that you've kept it, man. It's uh I was going to bring it and I totally, I, I just left it. So I was going to literally be like, do you remember this? And I was worried that I showed you, what the bloody hell is that? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know what's gone on since, but. <laughs> yeah, we met like six years ago at London Tattoo Convention. At the time, you was working with Rob Richardson a lot. He was working with For You, should I say. But he yeah. was getting quite well known. And I remember my style and his style were very similar. So I was like, I'm going to go and get around him and, and like try and friend him. Mm. And I remember I went over there and I was talk looking at his work and I was talking to who was you at the time, but I didn't know. And um, I remember going up there and thinking, I just want to try and get in with Rob. And then like... I didn't even speak to Rob. I might have just said like hello to him. And it was like, I chatted to you for briefly. Then we ended up going sitting in the car and chatting for like 
three hours and missing a load of London. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then that was that. And then you give me the stone, and I was like, wow. And then when I went home, I said to my wife, I said it was so weird because I so wanted to meet um, Rob Richardson, but I met not only met the guy that he's basically built him up. I kind of like sat in the car with him for three hours, and we was like having the heart to hearts about stuff. And like, I've like, I'm not a good friend. And you know what, mate? In the industry. I would definitely say I, that I haven't got a better friend than you, mate. Literally, we, you've done oh, so man. much for me and helped me out. So, and I've got so much respect for you that I look at us like friends, industry aside. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, Craig's a good mate of mine. He's he's my good tattooist friend. He's a good friend of mine. But like, we're not with you, bro. It's kind of like anything aside, work aside, this aside, uh, turbot. We'll always be friends. Do you know what I mean? Because I feel like. Like I said, going back to saying about the universe, I feel like that put us in that position. Yeah, it, 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 it did. We, we, we connected and we, 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 we both realised that we've got a, an understanding of things that, that, that links together and we yeah, kind of yeah. knew each other before we knew each other almost. It just, it just fits, doesn't it? So, yeah. And I've always been amazed by like, your work rate and I've always been like, you inspire me, man. Do you know what I mean? Like sometimes... Sometimes I look and I think, wow, like you take you take on a different thing every time and you really like when I was watching you do the carving, it made me want to get into it. And like this is something I always thought about podcasts and I see that you were doing it and I'm like, do you know what? I wish I could match Rich's work rate. Like you're a mad inventor, you've created some of the like listen, I know there's so many people that will say best machine this, best machine that, like I use the killer bee and the, the bumblebee more lately as well. And that that range, not because of our relationship and and you know like i'm real to say to you bro i yeah. love you to pieces but i can't work with the tools do you know what i mean like yeah. i love you but i rep them and you know i rep them hard and the only reason i rep them mate is because they deserve the repping they are the best tattoo machines like you can ever like i, I sometimes feel like you did it by accident i've got to be honest as i say to people i'm not sure if rich knew he was taking all the vibrations out of a machine when he was making it with solid steel like that i think he just thought it was going to be cool <laughs> but then having that that solid steel, the vibration, I've never used a machine that you can't even tell it's on. Like yeah. you're holding it and it's not, is it on, is it off? Yeah, you're like, listening to it and that. Yeah, I'm going to do an episode just on the killer bees just to explain every every bit about them and how they really come about. Obviously I did a little bit on the first podcast, but um, it podcast, is, it, no. it, it is a subject all on its own really, but I really appreciate you saying that. I, I love them. Oh, it's, no, it's, it's like having a lightsaber. It's like tattooing with a lightsaber, you know, you just point it and it's like, vroom, vroom. Yeah, oh, I mean, it's, 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 I've, I, I can, I mean, I can consecutively do amazing work with it and i there's very little to i would say none maintenance like i mean my killer bee once every two years i know you're gonna hate me saying this but i'll open it up put a bit of grease in but like <laughs> no. it works amazing I, I i swear they're like them old like you know old chippies tools where they the longer they've got them you know like old paintbrushes mm -hmm. where the longer they've got them the better they are with them and i've seen painters that are like prefer to use an old 30 year old brush than a brand new red squirrel hair, whatever, you know what I mean? So I feel like, and I think I'm just becoming part of it with that machine. Mm. I'll tell you what, um, like tattooing's changing a bit, isn't it? Like there's so much new stuff coming out. And I think like this wireless generation now, that's starting to, that I feel like the next big thing that's going to happen in tattooing, as big as what happened when it went from traditional style needles to like cart system, because a lot of people did, did, thought that wouldn't pick up and wouldn't yeah. take off. And like, 
how often does anyone use a traditional tapping machine now, right? So I think the new thing now, the new cart system, that then that big explosion in new technology, I think will be the wireless thing. And a lot of people are like wireless, wireless. And I remember like, I don't know if I'm supposed to be saying this, giving away your secrets, but I think like four years ago, you showed me like wireless capabilities. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, I was like, yeah. We're starting to see that now. And people are saying, I'm like, mate, my mate, Rich, he's like a mad genius, man. He's a mad scientist. He builds crazy stuff. So if you can get a killer bee wireless, I have, I, I haven't done it. There's a new machine coming. Um, it's 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 gonna really chuck the cat among the pigeons because it's like nothing that anybody's ever seen before. Um, wow. But I'm probably not gonna go um, wireless just yet because I don't agree with it on many right. levels. Um, one, the power of the the killer bees, the battery packs can't supply it. Why, why would I want to drive a Lamborghini and put a Ford Mondeo engine in it? You know what yeah, I mean? It's course, just yeah. it's just the most stupid thing to me. that like, So, like, yeah, the, the power would be a massive compromise. But it's the balance. It's, it's the ergonomics of, of mm. the machine. If, all that weight at the back. It's just not healthy for your hand, and that's, that's my you, whole thing. You've got to have it all, haven't you? You can't just have power. You can't just have ergonomics. You, it's got to be, and I think that's what you did when you built the machine. I mean, I, I, I think you'd struggle to get a machine that is more successful. Look, 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 all, the other, all the other machine companies have released one, two machines every year since I built them killer bees, and how many machines have I released? Uh, three in eight years. You know, Bumblebee Killer Bee F type. Yeah, and and uh, the, the original machine, the, the the Killer Bee, is still as good today as it was. Yeah, then. mate, it's amazing. And, and, so and many people like use it, and they like they come to me and be like, "Oh, what machine are you using?" I just say to them, "You know, I don't consider any. I don't consider other machines anymore. If someone asks me what a good machine is, I say get a Killer Bee. Mm. It's the only machine you'll use, and it's literally get it out of the box, start tattooing with it. You know what I mean? If you know how to tattoo." Yeah, and exactly. I, I'm convinced even if you didn't know how to tattoo, I reckon if you got one of them out of the box, you could. No, you, you can still tattoo. Right tattoo. Yeah, you can still. Do you know what I mean? It's not. It's not. It's not. It's not like rocket science, is it? With them, you just point Put it. Put the yeah. cart in. Yeah. Go. Just point and it. It kind of feels like. Is it too powerful? If it's not, I think sometimes when you use some of the other machines, it's very like um, deceitful, isn't it? Like a like might remove the injector. It can be running. It seems like it's going a million miles an hour, but it's not. But it's because it's got so many moving parts and plasticky bits that it's all like it's Lose, just like whoa. All the power, yeah, yeah. But yeah, that's that, that's the. I'm 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 pleased you're still enjoying using it anyway. But this episode is definitely about you, so um, we're gonna wrap it up. It's been fantastic talking to you again. I haven't there. Uh, yeah, it's been had amazing. Such a good jam with you in ages. Um, but uh, again, skin kitchen. Um, Instagram, Facebook, Skin Kitchen, Instagram, Facebook, Skin Kitchen Tattoo. Website is skinkitchentattoo.com. Um, right. sorry, I don't know what happened there. Um, Skin Kitchen Tattoo. Um, all the guys that work here, you can see there. Facebook is Skin Kitchen Tattoo as well, but my own tattoo, Facebook, if you ever want to yeah. add me up, is yeah. uh, V Tackaloo. Instagram, V for Unique. And that's that. The turbo tickets, that's its own thing. Have yeah. a look. That's turbotickets.uk. And we're also on Instagram and Facebook. You can ch check me out on all of those yeah, guys. Yeah, everywhere. Yeah. You're just absolutely everywhere. I'm well, everywhere. But like, if you really want to, if you, I mean, just Google it up, man. If you write Skin Kitchen, they'll all link there yeah. together. You know, you'll find us somehow. Well, but mate, 
V, it's been amazing. Thanks well so done. Well done on everything that you've done because you came to this country with nothing. And nothing. you've done things that people who have had stuff laid on a plate to them haven't haven't even achieved. So well done Thank for that. Well much. done for putting them on the show. Thank you. I appreciate that so much. Yeah, and, and we'll have to catch up a bit more. I'm gonna go because I want to get yeah, some yeah. tickets. Um I um on 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 a lasting note, I think I'll just leave it at what I'll say is like you just said there, I've come from there and I've done things with people that wouldn't have been able to play. But the like I was saying when we go back to earlier everyone's come from the same land and if anything i can do there's no reason no one else can because we're all made out of the same stuff do you know what i mean like if anything that i ever if i hope that if i get anything out of this life is to inspire people to to be able to chase their dreams do you get what i'm saying because everybody feels like it's a million miles away but it's not man it's within grasp do you know what i'm saying you've just got to want it and that being said i hope i inspire enough people to go out and do what they want to do dude thank you you can have Thank the last you. We'll see you soon, you, mate. Man, see you soon, pal. See you, brother. Bye, everyone. Thanks yeah. for listening, everybody. And uh, yeah, check back in uh, for the next episode and get on the uh, website for those tickets. Hey, nah. see you guys. <laughs>